straight from Japan, this tea is. Oh, really? Mine's pucker tea. Say pucker again. Pucker. 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 P-U-K-K-A. Pucker. Uh, I wonder why it's called pucker. Yeah. Two friends just made a podcast. Two good friends just made a podcast. Two friends just made a podcast. It's called Culture Bucket. Two friends just made a podcast. Two good friends just made a podcast. Two friends just made a podcast. Culture Bucket, Georgia Okay, hello, and welcome back to Culture Bucket, and welcome to 2021. Yeah! A new year, a new start, new beginnings all around. Absolutely. Um, we're going to leave 2020 in the past, we're never ever going to talk of it again, and uh, we're, we're moving on Yeah. into Pastures Green with 2021, and Culture Bucket is still with you. We're back we're bigger than ever. We're ready to list some pop culture yes. and discuss, you know, things. It's going to be good. Uh, I'm George. My name's George, as always. It's not changed. Uh, lots of things have changed with the arrival of the new year, but not my name. And neither has the name of my uh, esteemed co-host, Alex. Hello. Hi, George. Hi, everyone. How are you feeling? New year? You feeling good? Great. Great. I think 2020 wasn't that bad. You know, they've been uh -huh. worse. Weirs. <laughs> uh, yeah, there was the uh, plague that swept across Europe in the Middle Ages. That was a pretty bad yeah. handful of years. Yeah, there was the Spanish flu uh, in the at the beginning of uh, the 1900s. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there was the, the COVID-19 pandemic. That yeah. was pretty, pretty awful as well. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> It's time to talk about culture and not current affairs. That's not our. That's not our purview. No. Um. So, let's. It's been. Uh. It's been a minute since we chatted about culture. So let's do a culture catch up. This is culture catch up time. This is where we talk about what we've watched, what we've read, what we've listened to, and probably some other stuff. I will start the culture catch up. With, um. Uh, some a little bit of music. Let's talk about music for a moment. Yeah. I've been listening to the last sort of big album, at least on my radar, that hit in uh, 2020, in early early December, I think it was. The latest Miley Cyrus album, Plastic Hearts. Yes. Uh, you're kind of, you're doing something with your head, you're sort of bopping along. Yes, have you, have baby. Have you listened to Plastic Hearts, Alex? Of course I have. Who hasn't? Loads of people, probably. <laughs> lots, of, lots of people have, you know, opinions about Miley. Yeah. Um, so, I am a bit of a Miley Cyrus fan, in particular her 2013 album Bangers, I think is an amazing pop album. We had a, we, it was yes. like formed part of a trilogy of pop albums that came out that were huge for me across a span of like two or three years. You had that, and then you had 1989 by Taylor Swift, yeah, massive uh, album, and then you had uh, Carly Rae Jepsen's Emotion album, yeah. which is also an absolute banger, and was full of 80s uh, nods to the 80s, as is 
Miley's new album, Plastic Hearts. Yes. It's a full-on 80s pop rock... Extravaganza. Party, <laughs> yes. We've got Billy Joel. Yes. We've got Joan Jett. Yes, yes. We've got Stevie Nicks. Yes. And we've got Dua Lipa, who doesn't quite have the 80s uh, no, thread, but no, is also no. well worth having along for the ride. Yeah, I, I guess, I guess. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I love this album. I love it. I absolutely love this album. It is so much fun. Yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, she did, because she did, she did Bangers, which was a really fun album, and then she did an album with the Flaming Lips, which was weird, and not one I go back to often, and then she did uh, Younger Now in 2017, Mm -hmm. which had Malibu on it, and I honestly didn't really listen to that album, it seemed slightly less my kind of thing. I really liked that album. Um, I thought, I thought that was Yeah, I remember you saying it was good. I'm not saying it's a bad album. But it just wasn't quite what I go to Miley for. Mm. Uh, and then she did, like, last year she was putting out, she said she was going to put out a trilogy of EPs and she put one of them out and then it, just the rest sort of vanished and it wasn't really clear what she was doing. Mm. And it suddenly turned out that she decided to just go and make a full-on album and uh, and it it, it, it it hit, it came out. Yes. It, it, yes. Yeah. What are the highlights for you, Alex? I'm just... Opening the Spotify a second. So I've been listening to a lot of stuff recently. So I've been listening to pretty much just this. I really. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. So <clears throat> my um. Okay. So I think my highlight is. Uh, Midnight Sky. Oh yeah, I do love that one. Uh, when Joan Jett came out, I didn't realize she was in the album, and then I was like, I I know this, I I can, I know this word, <laughs> I know I know this voice, and I really I like Bad Karma. That's a good yeah. song, and one thing that I I unexpected and made me kind of tear up was at the end of the album when she sings Zombie, which is uh, a song uh, originally by the Cranberries. Yep. Yes. And uh, tragically, I think last year, uh, the um, the singer uh, passed away. Mm-hmm. And it just, I don't know, it's such a good version and I really like that song and I, I don't know, I got I got really emotional listening to that. And so, yeah. Like there's a lot of good songs in the album, but that one just broke me. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's a really good cover, and I think one of the one of the members of the Cranberries has said that they think it's one of the best uh, covers of that song. It's a heard. beautiful it's, cover. Like I was walking yeah, to work, beloved. At like I think it was seven thirty in the morning, like crying and <laughs> singing, and thank God I had my mask on because. <laughs> Like it's, it's a good thing about having a mask, but um, yeah, I I think the the album is amazing. I, I wasn't expecting it to be so good. Um, no, neither was I. I was a bit like okay, and then like the, I think a few hours before it hit Spotify, I was like, oh, just see what the reviews are like, and all the reviews were like, it's a it's a rock album, and I was like, is it what? Oh, what? And then yeah, I listened to it, and it's 
Yeah. It rocks pretty hard. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I really is. like the Midnight Sky remix with Stevie Nicks yeah. on it. Yeah. Is excellent. Yes. Um, with the, is it Edge of 17 that sort of, they mash it up with that, which mm. is really cool. Um, and yeah, that zombie cover and then the Dua Lipa duet, Prisoner, is is a is a great song. I really like that song. It, yeah, it's okay. It's it's an okay song. <laughs> it's like I, I think, really like it. I think it, I think it's not the best song in. I no, I it's not it's the best song in the album, but it's but it's got it's Dua... a fun song. What? But it's got Dua Lipa. It does have Dua Lipa, mm-hmm. and it gets keeps getting stuck in my head. Uh, Prisoner. And yeah, Midnight Sky is really good. And then he says, "I can't get you out of my mind." Yeah, accurate. Yeah, perfect. Uh, And the first two tracks, uh, "WTF Do I Know" (sighs) and "Plastic Hearts," are really good as well. Yeah, it's just a yeah. The first song is make me made me scream. It was just so (laughs) accurate. It's really accurate. Yeah. To um, probably like a lot of people's experiences, but I felt like it was talking to me that song. And uh, yeah, that's yeah. yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. Um, and I feel like there's a lot of people who sort of write off Miley Cyrus because you know her public persona has been quite controversial in the past, I guess. And she's done a lot of she does she you know she does and says a lot of things that rub people up the wrong way, and yeah, some. You know that you 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 meet a lot of people that will just have this immediate negative reaction to mm. if you mention it. But I think that if you're listening to us, and you know you've kind of followed some of our recommendations and have a bit of faith in our uh, taste, you know maybe give it a go if you've never tried it before. I think it's a you know it's an album that you that's a lot of fun if you just want a fun good time. Yeah, have definitely a go. check it out. That's a good review okay. of the album. Fun good time, good. But it's just, but it is a good album. It's not just a fun, good album. It's just, it's no, no, no. It's it's a genuinely good album. Yeah. Like I'm not saying it's a disposable. Yeah. You know, I I don't know. So you know, it, I don't think pop music is disposable in the way that maybe some people view it as. I think that mm. there's a lot of craft that goes into the best pop music, and you know, here she's fusing rock or '80s style rock with yeah. pop music and producing something that is, you know, takes a lot of talent to do and is really good and worth worth everyone's time. So yeah, good job. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much all the music I've been listening to mm-hmm. that I haven't already spoken about in the past if you see what i mean so move on buffy watch continues (laughs) every time i sit down to watch something and think of watching one thing inevitably i just put buffy on no there's nothing else to watch at the moment (laughs) um (laughs) okay i'm i'm now i'm on now up to season five okay which is exciting Mm -hmm. um season four so when I watched Buffy originally, I came in during season five. That was the point I started watching it. And then a friend of mine had recorded a load of it off the TV onto VHS tapes that he mm. let me borrow. So I didn't really, he didn't really have series two or three. I think he had series one. And then I watched like series four. And a lot of people don't like series four. And I've always had a soft spot for it because it was the first series mm. I watched properly. And yeah. then series five, I've always been a bit down on because I sort of came in halfway through and I didn't really get the the story was a bit hard to follow because it's a very like heavily serialized season. This time round, it was really interesting. Season four mm-hmm. starts off the first half is brilliant. I was really into it, and then the <laughs> second half of season four is pretty terrible. And I was like, ah, oh, okay, I kind of see what everyone's issue is with this season. Like it gets really heavy into like uh, the initiative, which is this underground army that is 
beneath the university and Mm. It, I don't know. The first half of the season is like Buffy at uni and trying to fit in at university and stuff like that. And that I kind of like that. But mm. then when it becomes secret army men and and Adam and all of that, it does sort of lose me. And then season five that I have never really had much of a connection to because of the way I watched it was so kind of messed up. Watching it properly now as an adult. Um, also, yeah, also because when I was a teenager, a lot of the themes of season five of Buffy were a bit lost on me because it's sort of about entering the adult world and having mm. to deal with grief and loss uh, and things that I just didn't really, wasn't really equipped to deal with when I was that age. But watching it now, it has broken me in half Aww. repeatedly, season five. I, it's made me cry <laughs> multiple times. And I haven't, for, for people that know Buffy, I haven't even gotten to the body yet. I haven't even gotten to the body. And it's made me sob repeatedly. So I don't know what I'm going to do when I get to that episode. But it's gonna it's gonna be tough. Um, it's oh, it's just it 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 is so good. If you have never watched it, please watch it. It's just the best. And I've updated my <laughs> character rankings. Oh. So new character rankings. Okay. Number twelve still Riley, but there's yeah. now an even bigger gap between him and number eleven because I really can't stand him. Okay. Uh, number eleven is Dawn, who. <laughs> Uh, I might even move Dawn up quite soon. Actually, I really like a lot of people are down on Dawn. I've I love Dawn. Her story in season five is essentially like a metaphor for adoption and and discovering you're adopted. And that is just, you know, again when I was a teenager, I didn't really take that on board. But now that I'm watching it as an adult, it really has affected me quite a lot. <laughs> I love Dawn. Uh, number ten is Xander, problematic yeah. guy, but but possible. Number nine, biggest drop, Oz. Yeah. Oz was at like number four. Mm-hmm. Now he's gone all the way down wow. to number nine. That's a big drop. I, 2021 has not been good to Oz. <laughs> no, no. What he did to Willow is unforgivable. Unforgivable. So Oz goes down to number nine. Mm. Uh, Tara moves up above Oz to number eight. Yeah. Tara's great. Cordelia, number seven. Uh, six and five is Angel and Spike still. Okay. But pushing up above them for the first time is Anya. The absolute best. I forgot how much I loved Anya. She's so, so mm. good. She's too good for Xander. He does not deserve Anya and her her pure uh, optimism. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the top three is never going to change. We've got Buffy, yeah. Giles, and then Willow in number one. Okay. It's, that's, just, that's just, that's like your, your, your Mount Rushmore of Buffy characters. Nothing's happening there. So there we go. Thought uh, people might want to know. Yeah. The rankings have changed. They need to be updated. Definitely. They need to be aware. I imagine by the next time we record, I'll be uh, deep into season six so we can have a season six discussion. <laughs> uh, in fact, the next time we record, I'll probably have finished thinking about our schedule. How many Maybe seasons I'll have finished are there? Buffy. Seven. Okay, so we've got two more. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's quite two long, more. isn't it, Buffy? I don't think yeah. I've watched all the everything. Uh, no, and you should because it's the best. It's oh, it's so good. Um, uh, yeah, when I've finished, I'll bring you a ranking of the seasons to to finish us off with that one. Thank you. I'm looking forward to prisoner. That. Um, prisoner, prisoner, prisoner. <laughs> I'm a prisoner too, Buffy. Uh, PS Five update. Oh I've continued yeah. playing my PS Five. It's pretty great. I finished the. I finished yesterday, the Demon's Souls remake. Um, is that the one where you die is, all the time? And you go yeah, back. so Dark Souls was the one that was number one on my video game yeah. list. And then Demon Souls is like the 
prequel or the one that came before it, but it's mm. in the same sort of series. So yeah. I finished that. That was great. I mean, that that is really brilliant uh, stuff. Uh, I picked up Spider-Man Miles Morales, which is a good time. In fact, it's got a pretty cool... Because um, you've seen Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, haven't yeah. you? Yeah. So in, these, so in this Spider-Man game, as with every Spider-Man game... Uh, you unlock loads of different suits that you can wear, mm. and because in this one you play as Miles Morales from who's in the Spider, the, like the main character of Spider Verse film, yeah. you can unlock the suit that he has in the Spider Verse film, and then you can turn on an option that you know how that Spider Verse movie has a different frame rate, so that it kind of looks like a motion comic book. Yeah, like it yeah. doesn't quite have the set. Yeah, you can turn that on so that the suit in the game has a different frame rate and it looks like the film. And it is very, very cool. That sounds amazing, uh, actually. Yeah, it's 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 incredible. It's really, really good. Cool. Uh, it's a good game. Um, it's a bit. I I feel like the new like the Spider Man game and then this kind of update to it, um, are a bit stuck in game design from like the mid to early two thousands. But ultimately, it's it is a pretty fun. It's pretty fun, but with some open world problems. Uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, playing as a Viking is continues to be very fun that game is huge and ridiculous and exploring medieval england is is a good time but it is it is a buggy it is a buggy game it's got what, a what does, what does it. a buggy game mean uh like it doesn't always work as intended characters won't react how they're meant to react to things and like it, it just sort of glitches out and things like that sometimes mm. and doesn't quite work properly it's not a smooth fluid uh experience um but Ubisoft, you're used to that with Ubisoft games because they're so they're so big and massive and open. It's it's difficult to you know make them totally uh, watertight. But never mind. So there we go. That's that's uh, music, TV, video games. Last thing is I have found the time to watch a handful of films since uh, we last recorded. Um, starting with a film called Oculus, mm-hmm. which stars. Uh, I think it's about twenty. When did it come out? Twenty seventeen? No, no, no. Earlier than that. It stars Karen Gillan, mm-hmm. who you may know from Doctor Who and Jumanji and Guardians of the Galaxy and all of those, um, as a girl whose parents died when she was younger and her brother was accused of murdering them mm. and has been in prison ever since and has just been released because uh, people think he's safe now. Uh, but in fact, uh, what, what nobody knows other than her, 2013 is when it came out, is that... Um, an evil mirror murdered their parents, not her brother. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so so she kind of teams up with her brother to try and take on the evil mirror, which mm. she's tracked down. And um, it's directed by Mike Flanagan, who I'm quite a big fan of. Mm. He made Doctor Sleep. He made The Haunting of Hill House, mm. uh, Gerald's Game. And a few other pretty good films. He's a pretty good filmmaker. Hush as well, I think, on Netflix. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of one of his earlier works. And it's cool. It kind of feels like a quite a typical horror movie, but it doesn't do the typical horror movie things you expect. Like, it kind of works on building atmosphere and tension rather than just having things jump out and scream and, and go boo and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. um, it kind of focuses on the relationships between the characters, which isn't a surprise because he went on to make stuff like The Haunting of Hill House, which is all about um, exploring relationships between between people mm. and between siblings, in fact. So it kind of makes sense that he started off with something like this. And uh, it was a pretty good time. It's not his best work, but it's definitely worth checking out. So, yeah, Oculus, not too bad. Uh, then I watched the original Dawn of the Dead. Okay. 
Have you seen that? No. Oh, you you should. It's a so uh, George A. Romero sequel to Night of the Living Dead mm. came out in the seventies, I believe, um, and in fact was quite had a lot of involvement. Nineteen seventy eight had a lot of involvement in its production from Dario Argento, okay. the uh, Italian director, mm-hmm. and George Romero wrote the script in Italy, I think, while staying with Dario Argento. Oh. And um, I got this. The uh, it's it's. Because of various rights issues, it's always impossible to get hold of in any form. Mm. And finally, this company in the UK called Second Sight have released it on Blu-ray. Uh, and they did the classic thing of releasing it in a massive package with three discs and three soundtrack CDs and two books so they could charge as much as they could for it and not releasing any kind of just normal version of it. Ah. So I had to buy that. But <laughs> it was worth it because I've only watched it once before when I was a teenager and I don't didn't remember it at all. Mm. And it's a great, it's a really amazing film. It's not like a typical zombie movie. Like it's very low on action. Mm. It kind of sets up these characters, sets up them getting to this shopping mall in America. Mm. And then the rest of the movie is just sort of about them surviving in this mall. And until the end, there's never that much threat from the zombies. It's just about how they kind of deal with them on a day-to-day basis and like how they kind of form a little family almost in the shopping mall to survive. Um, Something that's like totally not, totally lost in the remake from the early two thousands, which mm. I actually liked, but it's a very di- much more of an action zombie movie. Whereas this is much more of a sort of a, almost a drama that just happens to have zombies in the background. It's quite famously sort of a satire of seventies slash eighties consumerism. Ah, okay. With mm. the zombies, the zombies essentially being like what you see in the mall anyway, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Mm. But it's good. It's kind of it's really funny and it's really weird and strange and different. And I I really liked it. And there's not many people. I don't know. You probably already know if you like Dawn of the Dead or not. But if you've never seen it and you think it's just a kind of typical zombie film, it's not. It's something a bit different and uh, is worth checking out if you can get a hold of it to watch. Big recommendation. And did you ever watch Keenan and Kel? No, I don't. I don't think so. Oh, that was a good Nickelodeon show. Anyway, the guy, uh, one of the one of the main actors in Dawn of the Dead, played the dad in Keenan and Kel. Okay. I always think it's I always think it's funny that he that that happened. Um, then I watched a f- <laughs> I watched a film called Brahms, The Boy Two. Have you heard of the Boy films? So oh, no, I don't want to spoil. I'm not going to spoil them. But the Boy One came out a few years ago and stars. Um, Lauren Cohen from The Walking Dead and is about a nanny who... It's about an American girl who goes to a house uh, in the English countryside to be a nanny and when she gets there, these two old people are like, here's our son, Brahms, and they show they show her their son that she's there to look after and it's a Victorian porcelain doll and then they leave and then the whole film is like, weird things are happening, is this doll actually alive or not? Da-da-da, and kind of makes it all very ambiguous uh, and it's quite I mean it's not the best film ever made but it's quite creepy and effective Brahms the boy too removes any ambiguity and is like this doll is an evil doll and it is gonna murder you and look at its teeth it's one of its eyes is made of teeth and oh, isn't that terrifying and it's a very different <laughs> film uh, and this time it's um oh what's her name the actress who plays the mum in it is uh, Katie Holmes Katie Holmes who was married to Tom Cruise Okay. Yeah. Plays, yeah. Plays a woman who she's she's a mother, and uh, early in the film, uh, home intruders attack her, and her son witnesses this horrific attack, 
and it makes him mute. And his yeah, his response to it is to go mute, and their response to their son becoming mute is to go and live in a big creepy house in the countryside, uh, wherein the boy finds uh, Brahms the doll, and it begins communicating with him somehow, <laughs> and he starts dressing up in a little suit <laughs> to look is like it, the doll. Is it a horror film? It's kind of a horror film, but it's too it's too silly to be scary. Okay. Um, okay. It's one of the silliest movies I've ever seen. It's not particularly good. But uh, I watched it, so uh, it's getting a mention here. Brahms, the boy too. Uh, Then I watched, I really have not much to say about this, but I watched a film called The Houses October Built, which is a found footage movie about a group of irritating Americans who are travelling around America in a big camper van to try and go to the creepiest um, uh, haunted houses, you know, like haunted houses that people do, but not kind of normal fairground ones, like kind of extreme ones. They want to find the most extreme haunted house they possibly can. And they they find out, they hear about a mysterious extreme haunted house called the Blue Skeleton Haunted House. Yeah. And, ooh, can we find the Blue Skeleton Haunted House? And then they find, eventually they find the Blue Skeleton Haunted House and, uh, you know, they they all die. And it's not... It's perfectly fine. And it's, you know... (laughs) It is what it is. Okay. Then I watched... Uh, I wonder if you've watched this yet. I watched I watched um, on Disney Plus, Taylor Swift, Folklore, The Long Pond Studio Sessions. No. I haven't been oh, able to Alex. watch it. So we both like Taylor Swift's yeah. album, right? Yeah. Folklore. Um, the Long Pond Studio Sessions is a movie she's made for Disney Plus where her... Uh, Aaron Desner from The National, one of my favourite bands we all know, who co-wrote, I think, 11 of the songs on the album with her. And Jack Antonoff, her longtime sort of collaborator, who also co-wrote some of the album. Uh, The three of them sit down at the Long Pond Studios and talk about each song from the album and then perform it. And that's basically basically the film, is every song on the album being performed with some commentary by them about kind of what each song is about. Um, the Long Pond Studios is the studio that the National recorded the album Sleep Well Beast in, and uh, the there's a photo of the studio on the cover of the of that album. So to see a whole film shot around this mm. iconic uh, location that I have a lot of reverence for due to the National filming there and stuff was amazing. Um, Taylor Swift comes across uh, extremely you know human in it. Um, I know she's a, she's a massive celebrity and stuff, and you know who knows what what you actually who what she's actually liking. But she she comes across like a very nice person in this yeah. film. Erin Desner is just a, a, a gem, a wonderful gem. Jack Antonoff is slightly irritating. But never mind. <laughs> why is he? Why? Uh, he just seems to want to tell Taylor what her lyrics are about all the time. I don't know. I just he's fine. He's not a terrible yeah. man, but he just kind of seemed to I, I don't want to say something that's going to get me in trouble but he seemed <laughs> tiny little bit like he was mansplaining her own music uh, to her maybe i'm wrong maybe that yeah. was just my take on it or maybe i, I just that, dislike I him because he looks he looks like a kind of trendy hipster man and i took a slight dislike to him but who knows anyway i'm sure he's wonderful um sorry if you ever hear this i don't know why you would but you know anyway <laughs> that's really good i i i would recommend if you if anyone has listened to that taylor swift album liked it and you've got quiet you know, a couple of hours on a Saturday afternoon with not much to do. Sit down and, and just put that on because it is uh, an easy and lovely, delightful watch. It features a cameo by Bonnie Vare because, uh, you know, he turns up to do his vocals on Exile, one of the highlights yeah. from the album. 
And yeah, it's great. And then the final the final thing for me to talk about this week is uh, Train to Busan Presents Peninsula, mm-hmm. which I finally saw is the sequel to Train to Busan, although sequel in pff, not very much, to be honest. Uh, Train to Busan was a Korean zombie movie from a handful of years ago, uh, set on the verge of a zombie outbreak, uh, on primarily on a train that is going from Seoul to Busan in Korea, and uh, is about a, a man and his daughter primarily attempting to survive on this train as zombies sort of uh, infect it. Uh, Peninsula, uh, Peninsula is <sighs> Peninsula has no characters from Train to Busan in it, and is set four years later as a ex soldier is hired by some criminals to go back into Korea, uh, which has now become you know an apocalyptic wasteland of zombies mm. to try and find some uh, missing money. Uh, basically so it's sort of and it ups the action and it turns it into kind of a fast and furious-esque action thriller as opposed to okay. the character study that the original <clears throat> train to busan was it couldn't be more different from train to busan mm. and it's okay but mm. it's not i mean it's a train to busan is a five-star film for me i really love that movie if anyone hasn't seen it and they like zombie movies they, they absolutely should watch it yeah peninsula is much more of a sort of in the vein of World War Z maybe, just like okay. a zombie action stuff. And it's fun, but it doesn't stick with you, I don't think, in the way mm. that the original did. Um, but it's got some cool visuals and some cool imagery. It just feels like maybe the budget wasn't quite there for what the director wanted to do. It feels yeah. a little bit restrained um, in terms of the fact that it feels like it wants to be a massive action blockbuster and it just doesn't quite have the budget to go there so it sort of ends up not quite being mm. one thing or the other but um you know it was it was fun worth a watch if you get a chance but i wouldn't uh go out of my way to see it unlike train to busan which you absolutely should go out of your way to see because it's mm. um a masterpiece yeah, yeah no it's great so uh there we go that's my culture catch-up for this week how are you alex what have you been doing so I watched an anime. Uh, I see this is cool. one of a new anime. Uh, okay. It's um, <clears throat> it's called I don't know if you know. It's called uh, Kimetsu no Yaiba, uh, uh, nope. which is uh, Demon Slayer. I think. Oh. In um, in English. Oh oh. Is <laughs> oh. the oh 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 is oh. the theme tune by Lisa? Oh. Is it know. is the theme tune called Gorenge? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, right, okay. Yeah, Gurenge is a song by Japanese uh, Lisa. It was released uh, uh Demon Slayer. Yeah, it is. How do you hmm. know about that? Uh, for work-related reasons, I can't go into on the podcast. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Well, yeah. But I've, so... I've, heard the, I've heard the intro music. Ah, yeah, it's a pretty cool intro music. It's very rocky. It is. It reminded good. me a little yeah. bit of like Evanescence, maybe because of her voice. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so it's it's an anime that is super popular in Japan. And um, it's about this boy called uh, Tanjiro Kamado. And um, uh, he, lives, he lives in a life in the mountains and he's, they're poor but pretty happy. And then. Um, one day he goes out, uh, and when he comes back, his family is being uh, slaughtered by a demon. Um, demons are all around, and they usually come out at night, and uh, and it's 
pretty dangerous to be in the mountains. Uh, so all his family is slaughtered, and, but his sister has been turned into a demon. But oh. not a bad one. So his mission is to uh, return his sister into a human form. So okay. basically that's it. Um uh so it's the, that's the plot of an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, exactly. Fantastic. See, Giles, Giles gets turned thing. into a demon. Uh yeah, yeah exactly so uh this kid then sets off and he has loads of adventures and lots of like fighting and he meets people uh like uh then he becomes a demon slayer and then he fights lots of demons and then he finds other demon slayers, etc. etc. I've uh, only one season has come out and um in Japan the film has come out as well. So there's a season, a film, and then there's going to be a second season. So I'm nice. excited to watch the film as soon as possible. So um, uh, the animation is incredible. Like, it's so, so good. Uh, it was just beautiful to watch. Mm, maybe not my favorite genre of anime but you kind of get really engrossed into it because it's mm. kind of the more like i it took me a few episodes to get into it at the beginning i was just a bit like oh because it, it takes it kind of reminded me of dragon ball in certain yeah. points where it kind of sets the scene and it talks for ages and about powers and kind of what a one punch man uh kind of takes the mick out of oh, you know? tell me more yeah <laughs> so um it's kind keep of keep going uh yeah and it's also very graphic oh it was just there's a lot of blood there's a lot of amputations and it's pretty gross actually but it's good it's, it's okay um i really i, I like <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> you said it's good it's okay it's okay it's i i I got really into it. The more the, it's one of those animes that starts and you're not really into it, but you carry on watching it and then you get really into it. And uh, so I'm not sure if it's good because it's good or it's because I just watched a lot of it. I I don't know. Um, <laughs> I hope I hope it's because it's good. And then I watched another anime. I finally uh, watched uh, Weathering with You. Or Tenki oh, okay. No Exciting. Yeah, which is um uh from uh the same person, the same director that uh, um created uh your name, uh, yeah, Makoto yeah. Shinkai, and um, music is still by Radwimps, so is a second collaboration with Radwimps. So nice. I was very excited to watch it because I've been wanting to watch it for ages, and it came out in, on Amazon Prime like the last month. So got it straight away. And uh, it's about um, a high school boy uh, who runs away from home and he goes to Tokyo. Uh, mm. And in Tokyo at the moment is raining all the time and people don't know why. And um, then uh, as soon as he arrives in Tokyo, he, well, on the boat to Tokyo, he befriends this guy um, who saves his life. And then as soon as he gets to Tokyo, um, he meets this girl and... Um, uh, he goes and lives with the guy that saves me on uh, saved him on a boat, <laughs> and okay. but then he finds out that the girl that uh, he meets at the beginning kind of uh, can manipulate the weather, 
And it's about that. Okay. Yes. Um, the animation is amazing. The animation yeah. and visuals are out of this world. It's just, they blow your mind. Okay. But I was so disappointed. <laughs> oh, really? I was so disappointed. And that's why I just, I just, I don't know. Like, you, I would recommend to watch it just for uh, I'll watch it. Hmm? I'll watch it. Yeah, sure. please. Because I would definitely recommend it for the visuals because it's beautiful. Um, classic. Um, it's just, it's beautiful. But it's just, it's just really not clear. And things happen for not a clear reason. And hmm. um, it makes little sense. And um, after your name, I was like, oh, I love Makoto Shinkai. And I watched another of his films, which is called uh, Five Centimeters Per Second. Like still beautiful, really, really crisp animation. But it was made no sense. And similar to that. Um, but then that was before your name. So I thought, oh, maybe that was just kind of like a, you know, somewhere to start. Then there was yeah. your name, which was amazing. And the story is incredible. It is perfect. And then yeah. this one where I was just, I, I, I was just really disappointed. And it, it made me, it made me kind of upset for a couple of days <laughs> because wow. I was so excited by it. Like I was, I was look I was looking forward to it so much, you know, uh, Makoto Shinkai, Radwimps, even, the, even the songs are not that great. <laughs> mm. Like they don't really work in the film. Like I listened yeah. to the album before the film uh, and I thought it was really good. But then it's like I didn't hear them in the film. It was really weird. And um, there's a lot of plot holes for me. And yeah, I was disappointed. But if you fancy watching something really beautiful, definitely good watch. Cool. Okay. Yes. Well, that's surprising. I'm surprised. Yeah, me too. It's interesting. Yeah. And that's why okay. I was so disappointed because I was looking forward to it so much. I know you. I remember when it wasn't out and you tried to make us watch it and it was impossible. <laughs> impossible. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, I've got it now. I bought it. So I wish I hadn't, but never mind. <laughs> uh, sometimes you, you don't know, do you, until you've... Uh... Yeah. I, I have I have a limited edition steelbook of Train to Busan Presents Peninsula that I'm <laughs> questioning life choices regarding, but never mind. <laughs> But yeah, uh, and then let's go to music. Um, so I listened to the Miley Cyrus album, which uh, we uh, talked about. Um, I, I listened to a, an, an album by Willow Smith and Tyler Cole, right. which together are called The Anxiety. And I think the album is also called The Anxiety. And okay. it's... Uh, it was released uh, this year, I think March, and on the release. Oh yeah, yeah, and on the release date, um, Willow Smith and Tyler Cole put themselves in a box in a museum and stayed there for twenty four hours. Which oh very cool. okay, yeah, um, yeah. It depends on how you look. It could be like a really interesting concept, and it could be a really weird concept. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
I do know what you mean. Yeah, maybe a little bit bougie, but maybe they wanted to show, I think they wanted to show um, how anxiety can affect you and people watching you. Yeah. I guess. Sometimes people are in boxes. Yeah, exactly. In glass yeah. boxes. Uh, but um, like the, David the, Blaine. <laughs> um, I sent you the album maybe a week ago. I don't know if you listened to it. I'll be honest, I did not. No, yeah, no problem. I was just wondering. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, so um, the album covers a lot of genres. It starts okay. with like a really punk, rocky, uh, kind of like angry ragey couple of songs and then the more the more the song the more the album goes it the more the calm it gets and the more um kind of slow and chill and yeah it gets and um i really enjoyed it i think is a is a it's a good album is uh different i wasn't expecting it um i i listened to it f- quite a few times and i thought it was I. I liked how he started really like ragey, and kind yeah. of made you feel a bit anxious. And then he, it calmed down. It, it just and then I read a, f- a few things and it kind of like thinking about you know maybe an attack, a panic attack, or an att- uh, and how you feel about you know different things and how do you feel in different stages. And I thought I thought it was really really good and I enjoyed it and. Um, a bit like Miley, I feel. People judge artists like Miley Cyrus and Willow Smith mm. before actually maybe listening to the album. So when I saw the album, I was like, oh, it's Willow Smith. And I thought, well, why? Why? You know, I know she's she's um, Will Smith's and Jada Pinkett Smith's daughter. I know she's had everything on a, you know, available to her but i feel maybe we judge a lot these people these kind of uh artists and yeah. um i feel i i gave it time and i really enjoyed it and i think artists like this these have to be given more time rather than just more ju- judgment i think people we're in such a judgmental um society <laughs> that we go like oh willow smith uh it's good. It's a good album. I really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah. yeah. I literally can't find anyone even talking about it on the internet, let alone. Exactly. And I feel, I don't know. I just, uh, sometimes I get a bit frustrated with those things because go, oh, I'm not going to listen to Miley Cyrus because it's Miley Cyrus. Why? You know, she's good. And Willow Smith is good. And um, give it a chance and see what how it is. And yeah, there's yeah. one song that I really don't get in the album, which is a bit. I don't know. If you listen to the album, it's it's got some really kind of like simple lyrics, but maybe right. it's part of the, it's like oh we don't it, at one point it says like we don't want to be controlled by the system. Like I don't know. Ooh. I felt that was yeah. I felt that was a bit not mm, the system. Yeah, but then but that was the only down thing about the album. It's just the only song that I think is a maybe could have been done better. But I think it's a yeah. good album and. Uh, I've got I've got a lot of time for her. Do you know, um, do you know what I do when I see a system? <laughs> uh, I smash it. And then I decided to listen to uh, the album by Clippings. Um, 
images of bodies being burned or something? <laughs> no, visions of bodies being burned. Thank you very much. Uh, you can guess where this conversation's about to go if you can't even get the title of the album right. Oh, sorry. You know, you know my memory. I'm like, uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, I wasn't sorry, expecting... Sorry, I apologise. I was not expecting that. And I was pleasantly surprised. And I... I Blinking loved it. it Did you? so good. Really? So good. Like, what? I was listening to it and I was like, what? This is... This is... <laughs> There's some good beats in there. Yeah. Uh, his, I like, I like the the style he he um raps in. Is it raps? Raps. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sings. Yeah, yeah. Sings in. Sings. Raps. Uh, he's a he's a rapper. Yeah, but I don't want to sound he, like an old man, a woman. You know. Oh, I like his rapping. I like his like the, fast voicing. Yeah. It's all right to say that you like his rapping. Yeah, That's I like his rapping. I think it's yeah. really good. I think it's. A really interesting concept to have a horror album. Yeah. And in the morning, I was walking down this alleyway to get to school and it was dark and it was freaking me out a little bit. The first song, because <laughs> I, I was just, I put it on whilst walking and the first song yeah, kind of yeah. starts a little bit like, boom, boom. And you're like, oh, oh. So I changed. <laughs> <laughs> and then I listened to, to it on my way back. <laughs> And right, I thought right. it was really, I was, I, I, I enjoyed it. So good recommendation. I thought that was oh, really good. Oh, wow, I'm glad. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. I thought, I thought it was brilliant. And also, um, the other thing that you talked about, which was the new album by Gorillaz. Uh, oh, yeah. It's called. Name? Song Machine, Volume 1, Strange Times. Song Machines, Volume 1, Strange Times. And uh, I get what you mean by a bit eclectic. Yeah. But I, I, I really enjoy that album. Yeah. I thought it was just really, really good. And then when Elton John came up, I was like, yeah, Elton, I forgot about you. Beautiful. Uh, <laughs> but no, That's I, I totally really... fair. <laughs> no, I really enjoyed it. So, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, that's it's good. Not as good as clippings. Uh, I think, uh, it's a bit too random. I I like the songs. Uh, it's definitely something that it doesn't. It, there's a big mismatch of music, but I enjoyed it. But clippings, good discovery for me. And uh, oh, well, I'm glad about that. You haven't gone back and listened to the other horror album, have you? Then no, 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 no. I was just that's just uh, to that what's one. that called? There existed an addiction to blood. Oh. I might give that a listen. It was quite interesting this week, actually. You know, Spotify put out their wrapped 2020 thing. Yeah. Um, And then when you start playing, it starts playing... When you start watching the statistics, it plays snippets of songs that you've listened to this year. Mm. Yeah? Yeah. So when I first opened it, it, I guess it's meant to play something that you you like, but it played an interlude from the first Clipping Horror album. That's just like a, an audio recording of a woman going, I heard I heard chimpanzees in my room at night and somebody tried to strangle me. And it was just really strange <laughs> to like have these statistics about the music I like while this woman just talked about being haunted by a ghost. Um, it was like where the algorithm has just completely broken down. <laughs> oh. 
Yeah. No, it was good. I don't know how I found. I completely forgot that. Well, no, I hadn't forgot that you talked about clippings. I knew you talked about tips, but Spotify just just, just to stop album. you just for one moment because otherwise it's gonna it's clipping, not clippings. Well, sorry. Please continue. I do apologize for correcting clipping. you. I feel bad. You know why I call them clippings? Because isn't the album are those like nail clippings or teeth? Uh, Teeth. Because I thought, and that's why I've been calling them clippings, because for <laughs> me, those look like nail clippings. And I looked at the album cover, I was like, oh, gross. <laughs> no, it's teeth. And the and first, the other, the other horror album has the same, the, 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 the layout is the same, but it's nails instead of teeth. But not oh. fingernails, uh, like, you know, hammer, nine inch nails. Ah, okay. okay. If you see what I mean. Yeah, so it's all, it's all, it's all like a... Uh, word, word jumble. Candlesticks in the dark, visions of bodies being burned. But yeah, it's yeah, it's I'm good. Out. It's good. Really, really good. But thank you. And that's you're welcome. My I'm glad you liked it. Cultural uh, catch up. So. That brings us comfortably to our home uh, homework oh, discussion. Homework time. Mm. Yes. Sit down at the back and be quiet. Get out your book because it's time to discuss your homework now. Um, I'll start as I started Coach Ketchup. Yes, please. My job was to read the novel Convenience Store Woman by Sayaka Murata, which was published in 2016. It is a first-person narrative tale mm-hmm. of a 30 something 34 ish year old can't remember her exact age but she's in mm-hmm. her mid to early 30s i think uh 30 let's say 34 for the sake of convenience 34 year old woman who since the age of 16 18 has spent her entire life working in a konbini which yeah. is the japanese term for a convenience store um and japanese convenience stores are a very special you know, they're not like convenience stores necessarily in, in England or I don't know about America, but certainly not like in England. Uh, they're open 24 hours a day. Mm. They're always brightly lit at all hours of the day. Um, and they all kind of are laid out the same. You walk in and the tills are on the left and then the magazines are to the right. And uh, directly ahead of you is the, the chilled sandwiches and rice balls. And at the back is the fridges with the drinks in. And like basically every single convenience has just about <laughs> that layout. Um, <laughs> and you go there to pick up your Amazon parcels and pay your electric yeah. bill, and it's just basically the the little community hub for all the little admin things you need to do, yeah. As well as where you can buy food and basic clothes and just about anything else that you could need. Yes. They are wonderful places. Oh, they're my favorite places. <laughs> um, but certainly working there is is the domain of young people who need part-time work to get them through their studies or you know yeah. other things, and it's not necessarily a career. So Keiko, the main character, is um, at a stage in her life where not necessarily her friends because she's not the type of character... She doesn't have friends necessarily. She's sort of... It's not explicitly stated, but she's sort of coded as having um, autism, being being autistic, Mm. I would say. Um, I don't want to sound... I feel like it's fair to say that the way she is described, you would imagine, you would assume that she would be diagnosed with um, 
to be on this on the spectrum well with, i guess she's got some social anxiety <clears throat> and some uh difficulties in um social anxiety but also you know an inability to kind of understand like when she does something that people are don't feel comfortable about like for example hitting a chi- another child over the head in school with a shovel yeah. she can't understand why people yeah. don't like her yeah. to do that uh, and she sort of learns to behave in certain ways not because she realizes they're the right ways to behave but because she realizes that people will not be disturbed by her behavior if she acts in those ways does that make sense yeah yeah she, she, um, she can be considered like somebody that's on the autistic spectrum yeah definitely. yeah possibly yeah. but it's it's not that's not explicitly stated and i don't know no no absolutely um, not but i think anything. and it's not a ne- you know it's not a negative even it, no. you know it's yeah it's just is what it is uh so she she's um yeah a particularly uh specific individual um, who likes to live her life the way she likes to live it. She's always enjoyed living in the convenience store, but the people in her life, such as her sister and some... Again, I, d- I hesitate to say friends because it, it, she doesn't really seem to, to think of them as friends, but just like no. acquaintances that she has. Yeah, all people that she knows, f- yeah. <laughs> yeah, just people she knows all seem to mm. feel like she's wasting her life by working in this convenience store. And it, the story of the book is kind of quite simple. It's just kind of... Uh, you know, a, a period of her life where she considers maybe not working in the convenience store anymore and exploring what she would do instead, mm. partly through the lens of meeting uh, a character called Shiraha, who comes to work in her convenience store um, and is uh, quickly sort of leaves because he is, uh, like her, a bit of an outsider, but unlike her, far more willing to be... Aggressively unpleasant <laughs> towards mm, other yeah. people, and um, he ends up kind of staying with her for an extended period of time, and she sort of ex- explores what it might be like to do something else through him, uh, and he kind of takes advantage of her. It's kind of it's a very weird relationship that the two of them form in the book. That's quite hard yeah. to describe. Definitely. Um, yeah. Um, but that's kind of the main, that's the main thrust of the book, but it starts, I mean, it starts with her just describing what it's like to work in a convenience store, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it really does kind of, if you've never been to Japan, you will come away with a really good understanding of what makes these shops quite special, Mm. uh, if you read this book. Um, and I definitely would recommend that you do read this book. I really, really enjoyed it for sure. Um, it's really funny. You know, the way she sees the world and the way she describes things is, is pretty humorous. But then it, it is also... I actually read an Amazon review that was like, this book was described as being darkly funny, and I don't see that at all. It's not dark in any way, and da 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 something else. And I'm like, no, it is dark. It's really yeah. dark. Like, what are you talking about? It's ex- <laughs> it's exceptionally mm. dark. Mm. Um, like, the way she views the world and views people, and particularly yeah. the way the character of Shiraha talks and behaves is yeah. is horrible he's a really really like you know he kind of personifies toxic masculinity or mm. maybe not so much toxic masculinity but like kind of uh, it's, it's quite a male thing to sort of see everything in the world as being something that is owed to you like he, he sees himself as being owed a good life and a wife and money 
and yeah. he shouldn't have to work for it. And he kind of takes quite he takes advantage of Keiko to quite a severe degree because he obviously doesn't see any kind of moral issue, moral problem with um, letting somebody else provide for him or letting a woman provide entirely for him because that's the job of a woman is to provide for him while he kind of does things that are more important than earn money and stuff like that. But yeah, no, I, I, I'm I glad you asked me to read it. I enjoyed it. It's quite a quick read. It's not super long. No. Um, but it's very, it's entertaining. I read it, I think, probably in about three sittings in total. Mm, yeah, it's really, it's, uh, really, it's it's pretty easy read as well. Yeah, I mean, what's your take on what's your take on Keiko and Shiraha and that whole thing? Well, I feel she does not fit in the society that surrounds her, and she, she has never that. fitted in the society that surrounds her. And the people around her constantly want to change her, and she's very happy to do what she does because. She feels safe. Um, yeah. She feels safe in the pattern of working in a in a convenience store, and she feels safe in in that environment. Uh, but people do not understand that because society does not want that. They want her to have a proper job and have and be married. and And I feel like, although um, Shiraha, Shiraha, Shiraha. Shiraha, she, Shiraha, Shiraha, Shiraha. Well, the 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 guy that then goes and lives with her, although it looks like he's using her, he she is using him as well for her own purposes. So I think in a way they're both kind of good for each other. I think and that's speaks, sort of yeah. Yeah, I I hate the way he speaks and is really like, eh, <sighs> but I think also he's a child. Like he's mm. he talks like a boy child. He doesn't talk like a man. So maybe he's got his issues as well. Yeah. And I think that's in a way that the it it just it's a good for me, it's just a good thing to show how these two <laughs> outcasts of society, which in reality they don't have to be outcasts, find each other and use each other for uh living a life without people being on their backs. But yeah, I feel like that's kind of like she because she she suggests to him initially that she, he move in with her because yeah. they can use each other yeah. and it'll be mutually beneficial. But I feel like pretty quickly it becomes clear that yeah. it's mainly beneficial to him, mm. and she's not. She gets less and less out of the arrangement as the book goes on, up to, to the point where really yeah. she should just get rid of him, and he mm. is just a bit of a parasite on her. That's how mm. I kind of read it. I felt mm. like it started off as mutually beneficial and then, yeah, by the time that it, um, he's sort of completely controlling her life and just constantly saying horrible things to yeah. her, I was like, he's really this, isn't a, yeah, he is really this isn't a, this isn't a, this isn't a beneficial thing anymore for her. This is mm. just, this is just him kind of. Yeah. Also him, he sort of takes his anger on society out through her. It seems mm. like almost like he's like, society's horrible and they'll, they'll tell you off for doing like, he sort of, magnifies all the problems that already exist and convinces her I don't know, I don't know. I, I didn't like him. I didn't But like then him. also she's not I feel like she is not really bothered that much by him. Mm. I don't feel like he bothers her that much. He bothers me and he bothers you as the reader. I feel I like think he, well I don't think based he, on Go on. Sorry. No 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 Huh? Uh, 
I feel like but, at some point he doesn't bother her that much. And yeah, he, mm. he's lazy and he doesn't do things and he's always in the bathroom. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but then the way the book ends, like the actual ending of the book to me implies that he does yeah. bother her quite a bit. I guess so. Hmm. I need to read it again. It's an interesting yeah, definitely. book. Hmm. It is an interesting book. It's a very good book. Yeah. I'm glad that you yeah. uh, recommended to put it on your list. Um, yeah. And yeah, I would definitely recommend it to anybody else. I think I gave it, I'd, I'd give it, I don't know, like four and a half out of five, something like that. It's, 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 it's fantastic. It's very, very good. I can see why you would rank, rank it as one of your favourites. Um, yeah. I would also be happy with sort of a coffee table picture book full of photos of Kambinis. Yeah. <laughs> so, be a pretty good book for me. I'd get probably um, a lot out of that as well. So oh, if that book yeah. exists, I'd love to hear about it. Of the different combinis as well, and the different. Oh things yeah, show me a different... show me a Seven Eleven. Show me a what's the one with an L that begins with an L? Lawson's. Le- Lawson's. Show me a Lawson's. A family, family mart. A Circle K. Circle K, but Circle K is the worst one, I think. I know, like the, but you know the give, best I'll, one I'll was take... Lawson's. Lawson's. No, no. Seven Eleven. Seven Eleven's number one. Yeah, but nobody beats. Uh, Lawson Pizza Man, which is like this little bun of like this little steamed bun with pizza, like with like cheese and tomato in it. You can oh. get Pizza Man's in other Seven Eleven had Pizza Man. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but you had. I tried all the Pizza Man's in all the in all the combinis, and Lawson yeah. was the best one. Maybe. I just preferred the range in... Uh, Lawson, I can't remember what it was now, but there was always something that Lawson did just didn't have that I liked. And 7-Eleven sold the melon fan, so they came in the metal bottle. That was great. Oh, oh goodness, I miss convenience stores. Oh, Japanese yeah, so convenience so stores much. are like the best. Give me some campus. Yeah. Give me... <laughs> and I'll be happy. Oh, campus. Uh, my homework. Yes, please. I was asked by you to read The Call of Cthulhu, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is a short story written by American horror writer H.P. Lovecraft. That's the one. That's the man. Yeah. So uh, this story was written in 1926, and it was yeah. first uh, a series of stories where it was serialized in this magazine, which was called Weird Tales. I think he, um, yeah, well, he published quite a lot of his stories. Yeah. Uh, and, um, uh, yeah, there are three chapters in this short story. Yeah. And from what I have understood, they, they are recounts of, him of the main characters reading about it yes which is yes. a common that's a common storytelling device for hp lovecraft he, he a lot of his books were like retellings through diary entries and letters yes and so yeah. the main character which is um we don't know the name is reading mm. his um uncle's yeah, yeah, I think yeah. That's right. His uncle's um, papers. Uh, yeah. His uncle has died, and he's reading the papers about uh, this um, entity, about these things, entity. 
So the narrator pieces together uh, what is happening, uh, what has happened um, from these papers. Uh, so there are three chapters. The first one is called Horror in the Clay, um, mm. where he talks about um, his uncle um, actually um, talks about something happening. And then the second one is The Tale of <laughs> Inspector Lagrasse, which yeah. is where... Um, it's about something happening. It's just about something happening, but people die and some people get arrested and they're in a cult. Is that where they, they find in the woods? The yes, cult in, in the, the woods, woods and yeah. they're cold. And chapter number three is called The Madness from the Sea, is where they actually find Cthulhu and everything is... Um, uh, they're in the sea and they found this Norwegian guy who's gone crazy. And I think yes. they actually go and see Cthulhu. Yeah. And we find but out I'm that Cthulhu's sure. weakness is actually a small boat. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> I read this book. <laughs> yeah. And I had to read a lot of stuff around it to actually understand <laughs> what's going on. Yeah. Um, uh, so. What I would like to ask is, yeah, why do you like this book? Yeah, why? Like, what? Okay. What makes it your favorite? One of your favorite books? So, shall I? I'll, so, okay. So, I'll talk more generally about why I like H.P. Lovecraft writing first, because that sort of ex is exemplified in this story. If you do, you see what okay. I mean? So, um, I like, I like unusual narrative perspectives and like about 60% of his stories are probably told similarly to Call of Cthulhu I mean most of his stories are told where uh, the narrator is reading about something that's happened mm. and then at the end they the final thing that they read has some final revelation in it that drives the narrator crazy uh, yeah and yeah. that's kind of that's the, that's the format of a lot of his books I like Wait, in this one oh. he doesn't go crazy does he I don't think so. I don't. I read. I read about three quarters. Normal. I reread it recently, but I didn't finish it. If you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah. In this one, I think it it, it doesn't go crazy. I was ex yeah. expecting him to go crazy, but he didn't in the end. Right, right, right. Yeah. I like. <laughs> I like that he has. He builds up a connected mythos. So there's a lot of things he talks about. Talks about in various books that come back into other books. A bit like the MCU, which we'll be discussing later. Okay. It's all sort of interconnected. Yeah. I like. I just like the idea of humans being menaced by something they can't understand and mm. the sort of atmosphere of hopelessness that pervades his worlds and his characters' lives in that they are merely experiencing events that they are incapable of understanding and they have no power in which to change or alter the course of events and mm. all they can do is, is tell their story. Hmm. Um, and let the so world know what it is. Yeah, that okay. makes me really excited. What you just said, <laughs> I think, is incredible. Really, really exciting. But okay, I, I could not find it in this book. <laughs> like I was so excited to read it because I've been, I've, you know, I, it's not really my genre. I don't really um, read horror, uh, mm. and I've been. I lit. I heard about this book for a long time. People have read it, and it's kind of a court book. And I was really excited, but I did not get like the first page is amazing yeah amazing right. i feel like how it starts is like yeah but then i think it gets lost in lost lost in lost lost in lost like i was lost 
Because at one point, I didn't realize he was reading his uncle's papers. And at one point, I was like, what? why is he in the woods now? And uh, I, I, okay. I, didn't, I didn't realize that people were getting arrested by whom I was really confused. But um, yeah, so I, the way he writes is interesting. It's very like wordy and like uses like big words and very... Blah. Yeah, lots of non-Euclidean and, geometry and things. Yeah, and thinking about the time, I think is interesting because it's a, it was a, it was a interesting time. I think there was a lot of fear at the time, and I think probably this would have been effective as um, because people were scared already. Yeah, in the world, there was a lot of unknowns in the world still. That yeah, kind of, and I think a lot of that, gaps to be filled. Yeah, and I think that is probably that time probably made the book even scarier. Mm. I don't know. But yeah, it was, I, I'm glad I read it. I just, I found it really difficult to read. I thought it was really hard to read because I just, just didn't really get into it, you know? Like, I feel like when you talk about it, it's much more exciting. And I want you to talk to me more about this like yeah because of this and i was like yeah but i just didn't i didn't read it in there so um yeah talk to me more about it but i don't think it was as effective on me fair enough that's fair enough um it was always going to be not a surefire win for you uh but i thought it would be interesting to see what you oh, made of it absolutely i'm glad i read it i'm glad i finally read this thing and um, yeah just because Cthulhu is such a, even if you haven't read H.P. Lovecraft or you don't know anything about him, at some point or another, you'll have a friend that has got the T-shirt and has talked yeah. about it. Not just you, mm. <laughs> but, um, and uh, I knew about it and it's pretty cult. It's like a cult, isn't it? It's culty. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, no, I'm glad I read it. Um, uh, and he has yeah. he, just some of the turns of phrase he uses I love like when he there's, there's the phrase about Cthulhu that's something like in the city of really a dead Cthulhu sleeps dreaming or something mm. is that right or like just there's some, the imagery of like a dead god but he's he's not dead because he's dreaming but it it says he's dead just that sort of mm. uh, opposing ideas within the same sentence creating a sense of sort of confusion and dread yeah no i that's what i love about it five four three two one our top five uh today we are doing um uh i don't quite know how to describe how to justify this, but it feels like a bit of a first in our top fives. It's a bit more specific than we normally do to yeah. start the new year with yeah. a bang, with a celebration of something we both uh, love and enjoy. We're doing the top five films in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, so yes, limiting to the 20 or so movies produced by Marvel Studios as part of the, you know, the Infinity Saga, uh, or whatever you want to call it so far. So no X-Men movies or Deadpool movies here. Just no. pure Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes. How are you feeling about the list today, Alex? I know <laughs> I sound like a broken record, but it's always just... I thought I, thought I had it, you know, 
written, like I thought I was ready, but I don't know. It just, um, for some of them I watched a very long time ago. Some of them I watched only one. Some of them, you know, I had a bit of a stint a few weeks ago where I watched like five. So mm -hmm. I don't know, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm interested to see how much crossover there is because it's, it's a much smaller pool of yeah. uh, options Ooh. than usual. <laughs> yeah, so I think I think we at least have one in common. Possibly, although there's one there's one that with a heavy heart I've left off my top five, sort oh. of in the knowledge that it will be in your top five, and we can honor it then if you see what I mean. Ah. Uh, so we'll see. Okay. We'll see. Shall we'll I start? See. Shall I kick us off? Yes, please. How was it for okay. you? Was it easy for you to choose your five? Uh... Oh. Broadly, it, possibly difficult because there's a handful that I've always really, you know, it felt like it felt like the sum that just had to be on the list, and then it left very little room for kind of the others that I like a lot, but yeah, aren't always at the top. If you see what I mean, so mm. the like the, the top two or so, actually, actually one, two, and three were pretty much set in stone, and then four and five, it was like, how do I fit six films into two <laughs> slots? <laughs> um, mm. And the answer to that is that I can't, and I just had to pick two. And cool. therefore, I've left off um, my. I've you know honorable mentions today feels odd because I'm not going to just sit and list all of the Marvel movies. Yeah. But I have two movies in my honorable mentions because I just couldn't not mention them. If you see what I mean. Yeah, I've got two two movies in my honorable mentions too. Exciting. Yes. Exciting. Okay, let's start. What's your number five? My number five is. Um, Doctor Strange. No. Yes. No. Yes. Wow. Okay. It's <laughs> good, isn't it? Why are you wowing it? It's so good, isn't it? Yeah, it is so good. Doctor Strange it, I didn't is even great. put it in. I didn't even think about Doctor Strange. You know what? Mm. <laughs> uh, Doctor Strange stars Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Stephen Strange, a surgeon who... Um, is in a car accident and loses the use of his hands or at least fine motor skills that allowed him to be a great surgeon. So he travels abroad to find the Ancient One to learn how to uh, fix his hands and in doing so becomes the Sorcerer Supreme, uh, Guardian of the Time Stone and various other cool things. And it's just a, uh, a great Marvel movie. I think what I like about it, I think the reason it is on my list is because... At the end of the film, we kind of have to go a bit spoilery, I think, today. Um, we have to assume, you know, if you've not watched the Marvel movies, then, you know, see if you see if you like the sound of them from us, but be aware that there'll be some spoilers. At the end of the movie, kind of, the main villain isn't Mass Mickelson, who sort of is the main kind of human villain, but the kind of primary villain of the movie is Dormammu mm. uh, from, the, from Another Dimension. And he defeats Dormammu, not with a big energy blast or anything like that, but with logic. He kind of traps him in a time loop and he's like, this is going to keep happening forever uh, unless you go away and stop trying to destroy the Earth or whatever. And he just because sort of traps Dormammu in this time loop, tricks him with logic and then wins the day through that. And I kind of really appreciate and enjoy uh, the fact that as a Marvel movie, it doesn't necessarily end with a huge action-packed fight, mm. although there are big set pieces and action packed fights in it but i like the fact that the the primary villain is is essentially too powerful to be defeated in a fight so he instead he defeats him with um something else with with his intelligence mm. and logic and i i really appreciate that 
you know the supporting cast is great be a bd wong as wong is is really funny and and wonderful as his sort of sidekick tilda swinton as the ancient one um yeah. tilda swinton is always brilliant in anything that she does so that was fine that was wonderful uh chuitel ejo for as um another one of his kind of uh compatriots is wonderful in the movie as a uh, I think Baron Mordo, is that right? I think he plays. Uh, and he may come back as a villain in the future. So, yeah. I, I, yeah, Doctor Strange is my number five pick. I like it. Do you like it as well? Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about it. I like it a lot. <laughs> yeah. um, and Not that I didn't the... forget about it. It just is good. Yeah. Is it Rachel McAdams plays the his sort of love interest in it, I think? If I'm remembering rightly. No. No? Am I wrong? I think so. Okay, let me look it up. Yeah, Rachel McAdams plays Christine Palmer. Is it? Yep, his love interest, who is uh, you know, good in the movie. There's a great scene where he's having an out like an out of body fight in the hospital. Uh, yeah, some of the, and some of the special effects, by the way, are amazing. Like uh, when they go into these other dimensions and you see reality folding in on itself and stuff. You, they've never really done anything like that in a Marvel movie before, and it does look amazing. And it makes me extremely mm. excited to see Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I think it's called um, the the sequel, which should be out at some point in the future, directed by Sam yeah. Raimi off of Spider Man and Spider Man Two. So yeah, Doctor Strange, good times like it cool. what's your number five alex okay so my number five is ant-man ant-man he's tiny he's small he's like an <laughs> ant but he's got the strength of a man and he can talk to ants and riders on an ant called Antney. it's ant-man exactly yeah uh so ant-man stars paul rudd michael douglas evangeline lily uh, as kind of uh, the main people. Um, uh, Michael Douglas, who is kind of supposed to be Ant-Man, is not Ant-Man because he's old now in 2000 and uh, whatever. He's the Hank P- Hank Pym Ant-Man. Hank Pym Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he, uh, he kind of uh, doesn't want that technology the technology of shrinking really small to go out because he thinks it's going to be really dangerous uh but um his uh, estranged daughter and um his former protege want to um, force him out of the company because they want their technology yellow jacket yellow jacket and that's the thing about talking about the marvel universe because i don't really remember everything so it's good to talk about it with you because it's just you remember a lot of stuff um so um memoro yeah so then it focuses on scott lang uh who um uh is in prison and uh he um he when he comes out he uh says he's not gonna like he's gonna lead a good path because he has to you know wants to see his daughter cassie um, but then he meets Hank Pym that asks him to steal a suit from a house, his own house. Yes. And that's the suit of Ant-Man. And basically is the, the story suit. of Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, although I was really down on Ant-Man and Wasp, I really liked Ant-Man. I think yeah. it's really fun, interesting, uh, a really good um 
kind of story, very humane because he's not really a superhero. Scott Lang is just a guy. Um, most of them are the ones on Earth, but he's just a, a normal guy, like a bit of a crook that, um, you know, just wants to see his daughter, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and he's, there's there's not about... I really like him as a character because he's really kind of pure <laughs> and lovely and nice and uh he's uh it's funny i love paul rudd and that's why i really like ant-man and that's yeah that's why he's my number five because i really when i watched the cinema i really really enjoyed watching it yeah um, yeah similar to dr strange what i was talking about with the uh defeating the villain with intelligence or with, you know yeah. with logic it, it, it doesn't do the normal marvel thing of being a huge massive set piece filled mm. spectacle of superman it's it's about a heist essentially um, yeah, and that's why I think I enjoyed funny. it because it was kind of like really more more humane and more earthy, earthly yeah. about it, mm-hmm. and uh, and like by the end the families reunite and there's a connection, and when then when we see in Ant Man and Wasp, then you know that everybody is kind of getting along. So mm. I think that was the main purpose of Scott Lang and kind of Hank Pym as well because you know his daughter doesn't want to speak to him. And I think mm. it's uh, it's really really good, and I think it was a good, it's a good Marvel film, and I love Ant Man in all the Marvel films. When he pops up, it's just like yes, man, this is gonna be a fun five minutes. He's definitely yeah. Whenever he pops up in one of the other movies, it's always a good time. Um, yeah, especially when he's Giant Man in Civil War or uh, End Game. He's great in End Game, and also End Game mm-hmm. hinges on his. Uh, I don't know. We might talk about End Game later more, but uh, he's a cool guy. Like him, yeah, yeah, me too. Number four, number four, okay. My number four is uh 2019's Spider Man Far From Home. Ooh, that's this. I haven't watched a Spider Man, so don't spoil them too much. Okay, I'll try not to spoil it too much. Um. I, I like Spider-Man, big Spider-Man fan. One of the first uh, superhero movies I ever saw in the cinema was the original Spider-Man, uh, Sam Raimi edition with Tobey Maguire. And I like Tom Holland's Spider-Man. Why are you... What are you doing? Because those Spider-Mans were bad. <laughs> no, they're not. What are you talking about? Oh, uh, I, I, I don't... I didn't, I didn't like them. Not the Tobey Maguire time. ones? Mm. Spider-Man, Spider-Man Two with um, Doctor Octopus is probably still probably the best superhero film. No, that's fantastic. You know, you're wrong. I just Alex, I just don't think like Toby Toby Maguire was a good Spider-Man. Um, he might like, not be the best I, Spider-Man, but he's the Spider-Man a, we got. Yeah, but also like he's supposed <clears> to be a, 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 a high school like Tom Holland is perfect because he's a high he looks like a high school child. Well. Toby Maguire looks like an adult being in high school, and it just felt weird even at the time. Okay, it's it's, uh, uh, it's willing suspension of disbelief, Alex. Sorry. You just have to accept Sorry. that he's Spider Man. Um, <laughs> okay. And so yeah, I'm, I like Spider Man. Fan of Spider Man. Always like Spider Man. I think that Tom Holland is a brilliant Spider-Man because, yeah, he does seem like a child and it works well in the Marvel Universe because there hasn't been, up until the point that he was introduced, a sort of teenage hero. Mm. You know, yeah. we're dealing with, four, like, you know, Iron Man, Tony Stark's in his 40s, Captain America's in, what, his 30s or 70s, yeah. depending on your perspective. Um, you know, there's, there's 
it, he kind of it was a different view. And the first Spider-Man movie in the Marvel Universe, Spider-Man Homecoming, is a great time. Uh, Michael Keaton is a good vulture, and it's a good introduction to that mm. character and his world. But Spider-Man Far From Home is just so much fun, and especially after the crazy intensity of Avengers Endgame, it was uh, it's great to spend you know a couple of hours in the company of Tom Holland, uh, who's eminently charming as Peter Parker, as he mm. goes on holiday to Europe and has to deal with Mysterio, who's oh. one of the all-time great Spider-Man villains, who because you know his powers are all around uh, illusion and making you see things that aren't there, and it's kind of quite scary in a way and and, and interesting, played by we all know and love him, the wonderful Jake Gyllenhaal, and to be honest. Yeah. Spider-Man Far From Home mostly earns its place on this list due to a standout <laughs> performance by Jake Gyllenhaal, who I will always love. And he has a handful of scenes where he does his full wild manic Gyllenhaal thing. And it's just it's just the best. It's glorious. And, and yeah, I love Jake Gyllenhaal. And that's why I like Spider-Man Far From Home. And it's also got, you know, Samuel Jackson has a big role as Nick Fury. And, you know, he's always entertaining. He does a good job in this. And the supporting cast of characters around Spider-Man, I mean, the director, John Watts, I think his name is, really focused in on these movies of making them high school movies and having a cast of high schoolers mm. around uh, Spider-Man, uh, Peter Parker, and, you know, Zendaya, Mary Jane, mm. uh, is brilliant. Zendaya's, you know, we all know how good she is. She's wonderful in these yeah. movies. His best friend, who I unfortunately don't remember the name of, but... His best friend is... Ah, my phone is terrible. Come on, it was there. Um, Jacob Batalon plays his friend in it, mm. and he's really good. And, yeah, it's just, it's, just, it's just cool that they kind of finished that initial run of Marvel movies with this slightly smaller kind of euro trip adventure film and it's mm. really entertaining and i can't spoil it because you've not seen it but the post credits bit in spider-man far from home is about as excited as i've ever been in the cinema uh, okay when it introduces a character that i was not expecting to see and it was just delightful so so yeah yeah, Spider-Man Far From Home. It's it's really good. It's cool and awesome. And it's unfortunately not on Disney Plus because of strange, stupid rights issues and things like that. But it's very much worth watching. Um, okay. Yeah, love it. Absolutely love it. What's your number four? My number four is the first Iron Man. Oh, uh, wow, okay. Yeah. The yeah. first uh, Iron Man. The first one. Uh, I'm I Tony Stark. Genius, billionaire, playboy, philanthropist. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so he's uh, uh, the son of a weapon contractor, Howard Stark. And yes. he has to give a, a presentation um, in a 20 rack unit of new uh, weapons. Uh, but then he gets um, kidnapped uh, by, uh, I have no idea who, do you know? Uh, he gets kidnapped by um, a, a terrorist organization. People. Terrorist organization. He gets shrapnel in his heart. Is about to die, but then it's not. It's Tony Stark. So <laughs> uh, he comes. Um, he he puts a battery in his heart. Something like that. He becomes Iron Man. He's alive. it's a, it's an yeah. electromagnet to keep the shrapnel in his body from his heart. 
Yes. Uh, fantastic. <laughs> and uh, he manages, he's in a cave and he manages to uh, escape by making like the first Iron Man suit out of like shrapnel, out of like stuff, primitive device. Mm. And um, once it's home, it becomes perfecting his uh, beautiful armor and it becomes, you know, an Iron Man suit. And um, but then uh, Jeff Bridges has different plans, <laughs> which I don't remember his name. Uh, Obadiah <laughs> Stane. Jeffrey. Yeah. And he wants to use he doesn't want to use weapons uh, for good, but he wants to use weapons for bad. And then um, I put it in because it's the first Marvel Cinematic Universe. I It's my favorite character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I've always really? loved Iron Man. Yeah. Well, wow. now now is between him and Thor <laughs> and Captain Marvel, of course. Um, well, at the beginning, I loved him. So let's say for the first couple of phases, I mm. loved and love Iron Man. Yeah. Um, just because it was the first one, it was the first experience of our Marvel uh, film. And I feel like it just started <clears throat> off this incredible journey of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Interesting. And I think I'll always keep that film to heart because... It was a film about a superhero, but it didn't take itself too seriously. In fact, yeah. apparently there was no script really. And uh, <laughs> and um, you sure the, that's true? Well, there was a script, but there was a lot of uh, in in uh, improvisation. Improvisation from uh, the great Robert Downing Jr. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so there was a script, but it, there was a lot of improvisation because they wanted to like the story to be as enjoyable as possible. Mm. Uh, it's um, directed also by John Favreau. I never can ever say his surname. Favreau. 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 So that's also good. And I yeah. love Robert Downey Jr. I think it's a good film, and I put it in because I think it's just started this, and I. I remember watching it at the cinema and being blown away by it just because it was it was kind of a first and I think it will always be and I, I've watched it a few times and I really enjoy it all the time and that's why I put it in oh yeah hmm yeah, I love Iron Man he's such a dick <laughs> yeah he is I yeah okay I remember seeing Iron Man in the cinema so long ago, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like 12 years ago. Oh my God, 2008. 12 years ago. Wow. Wow. I was 20. Yeah. Silly. Um, (laughs) I've... I don't like Iron Man very much. Like, Uh, not the film. I like the film. I don't like the character... Of Iron Man that much, I I've always found him like, like it was it was like, Iron Man for me has always been a gateway into the more interesting characters that then came afterwards like uh, Thor or Captain America and stuff like that. And like I'm not saying it's bad or anything, but um, mm. I've just always I've never particularly connected, which is strange. Cause I like comedy and things that are funny, and you know Robert Downey Jr. is a brilliant actor and his performance is mm. brilliant and all of these things. Yeah. 
but just a man in a robot suit that can fly and shoot lasers has never been my it's just, go-to. It's character. just the love. He's got. He's, he's got the love. I it. It just. <laughs> I think. I think it just adds something to every film that he's in. In every Marvel Cinematic Universe film he's in, and I think he's just got so much. He doesn't want to show empathy and love, but he has. And he's a billionaire and he's cheeky. And I don't know, there's something about him that I, I just really, really love Iron Man. Yeah. I mean, I like, I like, I probably like Tony Stark or Robert Downey Jr. more than Iron Man. Like, my favorite of the Iron Man movies is Iron Man 3, in which he mm. spends quite a lot of it not in his suit. Yeah. Um, and, you know, is kind of having to make yeah, do as Tony Stark. Yeah, because I definitely wanted to have an Iron Man movie in, in here. Cause no, that's totally fair. Robert. We would, none of this would exist without Iron Man 1. So exactly, it's a and that's the one. thing. And if it had been a complete flop, imagine, like, you know, DC haven't been able to create this, and they've been yeah. trying, yeah, for a very well, they long keep, time. They keep making the films, though. They keep making the films, but come on. It, this could have been this could have gone down downward like DC Comics but it, well this film created and elevated the concept of superhero and I think that's why I, I like it so much because because mm-hmm. what I loved actually about that first Iron Man probably my favourite thing about it is before that movie my perspective on superheroes was always that they had a secret identity and nobody could know the secret identity like yeah um, you know, Peter Parker is Spider-Man, yeah. Bruce Wayne is Batman, Clark Kent is Superman, all of these things. Yeah. And then at the end of Iron Man, when he stands up and just says, <laughs> I'm Iron Man. I'm, I'm Iron I, looked, yeah. I just love that that started this trend of the yeah. MCU really not yeah. really caring about this secret identity, which just is yeah. is great. Um, and, you know, create, can create more interesting stories when everybody knows who the heroes are. And, you know, that, that's what led to Civil War and all of these things. So, so yeah, no, no good pick. Good pick. That was your number four, Thank right? You. That was my number four, yeah. Cool. Cool beans. Beans are cool. Um, right, my number three. My number three is um, Captain Marvel. Woohoo! <laughs> I've got Captain Marvel as well. Have you? Yeah. Shall, is, it a number, is it your number three? No. No, so let's talk. Shall we talk about it now? Yeah. Good. Captain Marvel. Uh, I adore Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel mm-hmm. is the story of um, Carol Danvers, an Air Force pilot who is um, piloting an experimental aircraft one day, uh, discovers or comes across a crashed alien spaceship and ends up having her blood infused with um, alien DNA thing to make her yeah. super powerful. And she, she loses her memory and gets taken away and becomes Marvel. Um, or is that or Vers? Yes, no, Vers. She's Vers, isn't Ver- she? Vers. Vers. Mm-hmm. Um, Marvel is Jude Law's character, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, and she's with the Cree. She's she's living with the Cree, and she's kind of a soldier for them. And then things mm. happen with the Skrull, who are the bad guys, the shape shifting bad guys, and she ends up crash landing on Earth. And shock twist, it's the nineties. And this is actually yeah. a prequel to all the other MCU movies. She crash lands in a blockbuster video store. Yes, baby. A place that you have to used to have to physically go to to get films uh, on black 
little black plastic boxes and put them in your TV and watch them. And um, yeah. uh, she is quickly discovered by Nick Fury, played by Samuel Jackson, covered in uh, CGI to make him look like he did in the 90s, which is the best. Yeah. And the soundtrack is just full of um, incredible 90s music. Uh, and she wears a Nine Inch Nails t-shirt, so I'm in love. And... <laughs> It's got a cat in it as well, which is pretty yeah. good. Or is it a cat or is yeah. it a flurgan? Who knows? Who knows whether Goose is a, a cat or a flurgan? Um, it's great. I mean, it's the first. It's the first MCU movie led by a female hero. After Ant Man mm. and the Wasp was the first one that featured a female hero in the title, but shared yeah. it with Ant Man, and then Captain Marvel is the first solo movie starring a female hero, and. You couldn't have asked for a better one. Maybe it well, it should have happened earlier on in the in the MCU, really. But yeah, it it exists. It happened. We've had it. We'll hopefully soon have Black Widow. But to start with, Brie Larson as Carol Danvers is about as good as you could hope for because she yeah. is marvelous. Amazing. Yeah, she is wonderful. Coupling marvelous. Um, I occasionally hear people criticizing her for being a Mary Sue, and to those people, I say go and jump in a swamp and stay there. What? I hate you. What did you say? Um, she's criticized as for being a Mary Sue by certain um people. What's I, a Mary Sue though? A Mary Sue is a it's a phrase used by stupid man children to describe female <laughs> characters that they feel are too strong and it's not realistic. If you see what I mean. What the. Don't yeah. let me be swear. <laughs> um, or she's, no. she's too OP. What? She's a Mary Sue. She's this, she's that. None of that. I don't care about any of that. She's great. You know, she's she's the Marvel Universe's equivalent of Superman, as far as I'm concerned. And she's just, she's just, oh, she's the best. The bit in the film where Jude Law is like, fight me without your powers, prove to me that you can just defeat me without using your powers. And she's just like, I don't have to prove anything to you. And she defeats yeah. him. And, oh, oh, oh. It's the best. It's the best. It's so good. It's the absolute best. Don't speak. It's so good. Yeah. Go on. What do you think of Captain Marvel, Alex? Oh, well, we, we talked about it a few weeks ago. I, I loved know. it. It's so good. Brie Larson is the best. It's a really incredible Marvel film. It's action she's great as being someone out of space you know she's just beautiful it's just beautiful film i loved it i loved it and i love i love when marvel with the marvel cinematic universe goes backwards yeah like i really like that and uh i have a i think it's really good because you want to know what happened before this and i think this was spot on and um yeah yeah i yeah, um, got it. yeah. So and Ben good. Mendelsohn as the kind of lead scroll character is amazing. Yeah. Uh really wonderful. The twist to do with the scroll and whether they are mm. evil or not is um is genuinely wonderful and brilliant because it, it plays on the comics, it kind of subverts your expectations based on what happens in the comic books. That's really cool. Um and and yeah, no, it's it's good. It's good, pretty like, awesome. For those men children that say that she's a what a what a Susie a, a Susie May no a Mary Sue a Mary Sue, I just found some trivia. Brie Larson oh. trained for four hours a day over nine months, learning judo, boxing, and wrestling. She also visited Nellis Air Force Base and met with active duty airmen, including blah 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 blah. So she's too strong. 
four hours a day. I want to see you man children train four hours a day for nine months learning all of these skills. Yeah. Go away. Yeah. <laughs> baby man. Goodness gracious. Go back to your cot, baby man. Yeah, go back to your little pit. Go and sit down in your chair and, you know, shut up. <laughs> yeah. I just imagine these guys up. just go like in front of a computer in a dark room. Just going, <laughs> looking like. <laughs> That's exactly what they do. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah, Lassen, okay. You are incredible. You're not a, whatever they call you. No, the she's not. Is. She's not OP. She's just the best. She's she's exactly you where she needs to be. So best. Um. So yeah, that's cool. cool. That was my number three. What's your number three? My number three is a film we've talked about before, Ooh. and um, is is I didn't want to put it in because I already talked about it before. It's part of my top five in another category, but I just love this one. So I thought, okay. well, why why should I go against my my love? And my number uh, three yep. is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. Oh, is it really? But yeah, so uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, I've talked about it before. Um, so uh, Peter Quill is uh, steals a mysterious orb. Yeah. Uh, on a planet out of space um and now is uh, the target of a manhunt um led led by the villain known as Ronan the Accuser yeah who's in uh, Captain Marvel right yeah which is cool a cool little moment yeah yeah definitely um so uh to help him kind of he assembles <laughs> A team of unknowing um, some heroes, which uh, um, uh, include uh, uh, Zoe Saldana, who is Thanos' daughter, Gamora, Gamora. Uh, Dave Bautista as Drax, which I, I, uh, I don't know, for a while he was one of my favorite like characters, like, you know, the second hand characters, but yeah. not second hand, but. Not main main characters. Yeah, like like second tier um, sort of characters. Second tier characters. Yeah. I really really like him. Uh, Vin Diesel as Groot, which I love, and uh, Bradley Cooper as Rocket, who is not a raccoon. <laughs> okay. Ah, there's also Karen Gillian. Yeah, Karen Gillian plays Nebula. Although as her her role Nebula. is bigger in the second one, isn't it? Yes, but yeah, like I said before, I like this film. Good pace, good fun. Good music. Um, oh, yeah. I I really enjoy this film, and I love Chris Pratt in it. Um, I love everybody. I think it, I think it's good, and um, I've enjoyed seeing the Guardians of the Galaxy in Infinity War and Endgame. So it's been really good to like see them again in a different context. Yes, they definitely enrich the universe. Yeah, and I I I, I like them. They've been a good enrichment of universe <laughs> yeah, and for sure. i think they're the first ones that are they are totally i don't know because thor is kind of on a uh it's kind of not from earth falls from asgard yeah but are they not the kind of like, is it not Bring the first me film that they're kind of out of earth most of the time it's the first cosmic marvel movie because uh, asgard yeah. is asgard is 
Asgard's a different deal to space in the way that yeah. yeah. So it's the first sort of. It was definitely a big um, risk for. It was one of Marvel's risks was doing Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy and get and it, you know it paid off in a in yeah because I really I really enjoyed the fact that they were totally outside of Earth. Yeah. And they were, it was just, a, I think it was, not that it got stale, but I think it was a good, a good time to introduce them. And I, I that's why I think I really loved it because I remember just going, oh, this was so good and fresh mm. and fun. And I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's why I think uh, I, um, I really enjoy it. And I know I've talked about it before. Yeah. No, I fun. have no regrets. I love Guardians of the Galaxy. The only reason it's not in my top five is I generally just prefer the solo hero movies to any of the team-up films or films featuring teams, if you see what I mean. Such a loner. Yeah, I'm a loner. I'm a real loner. Um, but yeah, no, I really like Guardians of the Galaxy. I definitely like it. I, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is, is good, but it's not. it didn't hit me in the no. way that Volume 1 did. I mean, by the end of volume yeah. two, I was just sort of like, this has been a film. I'm ready for it to not be, any, to not watch it anymore. Whereas volume one, yeah. I, could, I was, I felt a bit like, oh, I want more of that now. Um, volume one is yeah. just, just so original and different and interesting. And the characters are wonderful. And uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Especially, I think, I think for me, the highlight is um, Dave Bautista as Drax the Destroyer. Dave Bautista <laughs> is He's wonderful. Amazing. Um, like then you know it kind of then I my my love the same love that I have for Dave Batista uh, arrived at Endgame no a Thor Ragnarok with Taika Waititi when he's playing Korg the Rock Man yeah what's his Korg. name Korg yeah I feel the same love <laughs> that's I can them. understand like, that yeah big silly <laughs> simple beings oh, I love it yeah but yeah. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy will always be slightly tainted for me but from the experience of going to see it in the cinema in Japan with you do you remember that experience here we go what we went to the cinema in Eon you know the top floor of the Eon shopping yeah. mall who did we go with uh, we went we like we put we got like because it was a big deal me and Dan like got as many people together as part Dan from the top five video games episode people uh, for, yeah for, 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 for bucket heads um and we got as many people as possible to come with us. There was like 12 of us, I think. And we were like late and there was a queue and the film was basically starting. And I was trying to buy the tickets and the lady at the counter was like, OK, would you like to sit here or would you like to sit oh, yeah, here? She was Do you remember that? Slow. <laughs> like the yes, slowest person yes, ever. And I was just like, anywhere, anywhere that there's a seat that I can <laughs> sit in. Anywhere is fine. <laughs> yes. And she's like, okay, yes. well, what about here? I was like, yes, that's fine. Or here? No, anywhere. And it was, I was, I was almost in tears by the time we got yeah, into this. Like cinema. Japanese uh, helpful hospitality was not wanted at that moment. <laughs> like, yeah, just no, put me it somewhere even like, the toilet. Just, please, just please, I don't care. please. I need, I need, I need, I need. And in the end, we only we missed like a, um, less than a minute probably of the film. But it was, I was. Uh, Frustrating yeah. experience. Yeah. Anyway, that was uh, that was your number three. So on to my, my number, number three. two. Your my number please. two is Captain America: Winter Soldier. Oh. <laughs> Are you okay? Oh, that's the one I took off my list. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I was uh, like, oh. it was so hard. That film. Oh my god, I agree a hundred percent. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, we saw it together, didn't yeah. we, in the cinema? Yeah. 
Yeah, it was a, that was a great time. Is that why I love it so much? Do you think? Do you Maybe. think it's because <laughs> I just thought, oh, oh, I have to, and then I I have to take it off. Um, so sad. Captain America: The Winter Soldier is it. the second Captain America movie. It's the first Captain America movie featuring Chris Evans, uh, Steve Rogers, living in the present day and dealing yeah. with present day life, and mm-hmm. the reemergence of his old friend Bucky. Um, yeah. Oh. As the oh, Winter Bucky. Soldier, played by Sebastian Stan. It is also the first MCU movie directed by the Russo brothers, who went on to do Civil mm-hmm. War, Avengers Endgame, and Avengers Infinity War, and have yeah. sort of ended up kind of writing the Bible of the the late stages of the initial MCU. Um, and this is where they kind of started, and you can see why they were kept around, because the, the film is just so tight and so well-scripted, yeah. so well-plotted. The action is probably the best they have filmed action in any of these movies you know it's a proper action movie and it also yeah. feels like a sort of you know they talked about this a lot when it was coming out that it was kind of built based around 70s political thriller type films and they even got robert redford in to play the uh, head of shield and they do all this stuff yeah. with hydra infiltrating shield and shields ends up kind of imploding by the end it's a it, it 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 is a seismic shift in the MCU. It kind of is the first time that they said maybe the good guys can't be trusted, and maybe this is more complicated than we think. And it it just sort of changed things and made things a little bit more not adult. They're not adult movies or anything, but just a bit more complex, and interesting. You know, it mm. made Captain America a very morally clear character. Ask have to ask answer ambiguous difficult questions, and. You know, it features Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow in a major role, and basically, until mm. we get the Black Widow movie, this is probably as close as we have. Um, and it's, you know, she's wonderful in it. I just, I just love this film. I really do love Captain America: Winter Soldier. I think it's a genuinely, you know, beyond MCU, beyond any of that, it is a just a genuinely great time. Any, I feel like anyone who isn't a fan of the MCU could sit down and watch Captain America: Winter Soldier, yeah. and maybe with a little bit of foreknowledge have a great time with it because it's just yeah. great um the the bond style opening action sequence uh when they infiltrate the boat is great yeah. i remember sat in the cinema watching so it and he's good. flinging his shield at people and it's yeah. bouncing back and he has that fight with cross not crossbones i can't remember his name he has, he has this fight with a sort of um kickboxer it's just it's just great it's just it's just brilliant and yeah. um you know in the way that you say iron man was your favorite mcu character uh, Captain America off the back of this movie yeah. is my favourite MCU character I think Chris Evans performance as Steve Rogers is the best performance for me in in the Marvel Cin- Cinematic Universe I adore him and um, and yeah it's yeah, so Captain America Winter Soldier yeah. it's a delight I, I really enjoyed that film and because I didn't really uh, the the first Captain America was good but this one made you know Captain America Captain Captain America, <laughs> uh, made Captain America like a good character. Yeah, um, yeah. Really like the first, like it, it seemed like the, the the criticisms people might have had of the first film of being like Captain yeah. America is too basic and not interesting and all those yeah. things. Like they kind of, it's almost like they read that criticism and then intentionally created a narrative yeah. that would that would challenge those um, expectations. And they did it. They did it well. It's brilliant. Yeah. Yes. So it's such a good film. Yeah. And. Yeah, you're right. I agree with everything you said. It's mm. beautiful, and it was it was on my list, and uh, but it's not anymore. But you talked about it, which is good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah. that's my number two. Yeah. What's your number two? 
My number two is Captain Marvel. Oh, but we've talked so about we'll talk Captain about Marvel. Yeah, so what's your number one? Oh, my number one is a film we've already discussed at length on the podcast, but I can't not have it at number one because I just it's my favourite. It is um, Taika Waititi's Thor Ragnarok. What's wrong? Yes. Uh, like your your top two are the ones that I, <laughs> I, I yeah I th- yeah. Um, Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, I love. I mean, uh, Thor oh. Ragnarok is the movie that legitimized the character of Thor and made him yeah as good as the other character. Like Thor one is a fine movie and I enjoy it and Chris Hemsworth is good, yeah. but it's not a masterpiece. Thor The Dark World is the worst MCU movie <laughs> and I can't see them making yeah. a worse one, to be honest. I really dislike Thor The Dark World. I think they, they mm. wasted an opportunity with the character in that one. Uh, yeah. But Thor Ragnarok, they brought the right person on board to fix that character and write that ship. Taika Waititi is one of the greatest living directors and he, in a way that seems impossible because so many directors have bounced off the Marvel Universe and been unable to leave an imprint on it, but for yeah. some reason, they allowed Taika Waititi to do his thing. Like, for example, in a way that they just wouldn't with Edgar Wright and Ant-Man. Like, Edgar Wright ended up having to leave that project. And we'll never know what Edgar Wright's Ant-Man would have looked like. But Taika mm-hmm. Waititi was able to blend his style with what Marvel wanted from a director in a way that is masterful. And it's a, it's just... I mean, we've talked about it before, but I just love it. I think Chris Hemsworth's performance as Thor is... is finds new depths and new heights and is yeah. wonderful from the moment the movie opens with him hanging upside down in front of Sator and spinning and and the joke around, you know, he spins in the wrong direction and has to wait to come back round and all of that. Like, just from the start, I was like, this is a new Thor, a different Thor. Yeah. And Chris Hemsworth completely rises to the challenge of, of portraying a new version of the character. Mark Ruffalo as well is has never been better as yeah. Bruce Banner um, oh, so good. in that one. Tessa Thompson, of course, we've talked about in recent episodes what how much I love Tessa Thompson and her Valkyrie, I th- uh, and then like the char- all those characters as they go on and appear in Endgame and Infinity War, kind of are better because of this film. You're so right. And it's the first mm. it's the first Thor movie that doesn't get bogged down in the relationship between Thor and Loki, which just mm. I mean Loki's in it, but it's not he's not the focus as he has been in others. And personally, yeah. I've never particularly... He's never been my favourite element of the Marvel Universe. So I'm happy for Loki no. to take a bit more of a backseat in this one and let yeah. Thor kind of lead it. And yeah, no, yeah, I love it. I adore it. Taika Waititi yeah. is back to make Thor, Love and Thunder, and I'm fully expecting that to be wonderful. Natalie Portman's taking the hammer in that one, and I just can't wait. I cannot wait. Natalie Portman is coming back? Natalie Portman is playing Thor in Thor, Love and Thunder. Excuse me? Natalie Portman is in Thor: Love and Thunder. Thor is going to be Natalie Portman. It's for it's, it happens in the comics. Her character becomes Thor. <laughs> How exciting is that? I know it's amazingly exciting. Oh oh wow, oh wow! Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm so excited. Yeah. So cool. Yeah, uh, I love it. Right, that's my number one. Your number two was Captain Marvel. So what's yeah. your number one? My number one is a film I watched last night, <laughs> and you probably can guess by yeah. watching last night because I sent you a message with mm-hmm. like one of the best scenes from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, and the film is called Endgame. <laughs> Avengers Endgame. Like, 
Avengers Endgame. Mm. So. So tell me about your experience. I thought, my experience. Like I, I, I went in and was like, oh, goodness, three hours of film. Because yeah. Infinity War, like I said, was infinite. Yeah. And it's, Infinity Endgame. War is a good film. Infinity War is an amazing film, but mm. it's just really long. I could have had two. Endgame just went... Pfft. It was finished. Yep. And it, it truly broke me. <laughs> <laughs> it truly broke me, Endgame. Because I thought it was so well done. Because, you know, I was going to... Before before last night, um, it was between Thor, Ragnarok, and um, Captain America: Civil War. Yeah, Civil War. Winter, Winter Soldier. Soldier. Yeah. <laughs> Civil War. Uh, Winter Soldier. But um, uh, I I had to take them off to like put Endgame. Okay. And wow. Ah. Uh, okay, so Endgame <laughs> is basically uh, this. <laughs> It just blew me away. It was so good. It was so well done. It could have been a total flop. Uh, I mean, everything no. like it shouldn't have. It, it shouldn't have worked. It has too many characters. It's too long. Yeah. Um. It, it's yeah. trying it to wrap up twenty separate films into one satisfying yeah. narrative. It shouldn't yeah. work. It should be a bad. It film. shouldn't work. It sh- yeah. And it w- and I can't believe they managed it. I don't know. I don't know how. I like pure genius. <laughs> and and it's just it just I I didn't think I was gonna enjoy it so much and I didn't think it was gonna upset me so much and um like what's 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 gonna happen next what's gonna happen next Peter Parker's gonna go I'm to Europe I'm not ready for it hey Peter Parker's gonna yeah go. but I'm not ready for it Peter Parker's I'm going to Europe that's what happens next. I- I'm not ready for it. Uh, so basically, Endgame is the continuation of Infinity War. So um, Thanos has basically um, decimated humanity. And um, I appreciated watching Ant-Man and Wasp because when Paul Rudd comes out of that van, I was like, yes! Yes, yes, exactly. Yes! Like Ant-Man and the Wasp yes! be- becomes essential once you see the start of Endgame. Yeah. And so I was like, I love Ant-Man Wasp now. Because <laughs> when he comes out, I see the van. It's like, where does, where's that van from? And I thought about Guardians of the Galaxy because it was kind of like a 70s van. And then he comes out. I was like, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And so what they have to do is they have to find the Infinity Stones, uh, the ones that remained, which are Captain America, Black Widow, Bruce Bannum. Banner. Banner. Bruce Banner. Bruce Banner? Yeah. Bruce Banner. Smart Hulk. Uh, and hmm? Smart Hulk. The Smart Hulk, yeah. Which I love him. Love the Smart Hulk. Yeah. He's so cool. Uh and some others are a steed. And what they have to do is they have to try and go back in time to get the infinity stones uh to try and bring people back. Yeah. Which is genius because they can make it a proper victory lap of the MCU up to this point. Yes, but the the twist, the the the, the downfall is it's not going to be a Superman going around the world bringing back time, bringing back people. It's going to be some people are not going to come back. Yeah, because that's not how time works. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, no, I want I want Superman to go around the world. <laughs> And bring time back, and nothing happens. Nope. And then, and what I love, they quote films that uh, use time travel, like Back to the Future, and um, Quantum Leap. <laughs> it's 
pretty funny. Yeah. Um, there's some funny bits. Uh, Thor is a broken man, <laughs> which I love the but fact that he's Thor is essentially the dude, isn't he? <laughs> yes. Yes. And uh, there's a lot of banter, and it just. It just felt good to watch, but also extremely sad because some people, are we going to see them again? No. No, not, no, not. Um, some people we're not no. going to, some superhero. Not the funeral, not, see again. not the person we see the funeral for. Everybody was at that funeral, like everybody. Even the boy from Iron Man 3 is in that funeral scene. Oh, it broke me. <laughs> George, it broke me. Oh, I was so upset. And then, I don't know, I thought it, I thought it was amazing and they made it work and then there's the, the best scene in the Marvel Universe where, you know, Captain Marvel goes to Peter Parker and he goes, hi, I'm Peter Parker. And Captain Marvel goes, hi, Peter Parker. Like, she's the coolest, <laughs> coolest ever yeah and I... Peter Parker goes how are you going to defeat this and Captain Marvel turn around and Okoye from Black Panther comes down don't worry she's not a- alone or she's got help and then all the women from the 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 super women from the Marvel Cinematic Universe come down and she's like yes mate yes with one notable exception with one notable exception which I don't know if I should say it's a spoiler isn't it well, we did say we were going spoilery. Spoilery. Uh, Black Widow is not there. No. And I have fallen in love with Scarlett Johansson in this endgame. I thought she was brilliant in it. Yep, she is. I thought she put... I thought she was incredible. It is. Um, I mean, I'm so yeah, excited to so... see her final performance as Black Widow in the Black Widow movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, me too. Because she's the best. Yeah. Uh, Chadwick Boseman was in it. Yeah, broke my heart <laughs> like that. I don't know if it's number one because it's, I it, I was in a roller coaster of emotions. Well, I Black, then, Black uh, Panther is the movie I took off my top five because I I really thought that it was going to be in your top five. No, no, I, I can't imagine. I we need a top ten Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, <laughs> um, but it's amazing how the Marvel Universe got better and better and better, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, completely. Like I think the oldest one on my f- the oldest film on my list is Winter Soldier, and mm. then Captain Marvel is a pretty recent one. Spider Man Far From Home is the most recent one. Yeah, I do think that they keep uh, improving, and I. But also, you know, people criticize as criticism people make as well is that they kind of it's the same every time. Like there's not much variation in the movies, which to a degree I can what? see, but I feel like they're they're kind yeah. of iterating on a formula that works and just perfecting it and making it better with each time and trying new things. Thor Ragnarok is different. Captain Marvel, you know, there's a soundtrack there. There's, yeah, they they, yeah. they are all superhero movies and they all fit within the same world, but it doesn't mean that they're repeating themselves. And like, for example, coming up, we've got Black, Black Widow is going to be some sort of spy movie. Uh, the yeah. Eternals is who even can, who even knows what the Eternals is going to be. We've got, um, I think it's Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Seven Rings. Again, who knows what that's going to be? A Legend of the Ten Rings or, or something. I can't remember exactly yeah. what it's called. Anyway, it, it's, yeah, it keeps getting better and I but, can't wait to see what happens next. So, cool. my top five was number five, Doctor Strange. Number four, Spider-Man mm-hmm. Far From Home. Number three, Captain Marvel. Number two, Captain America Winter Soldier. And number one, Thor Ragnarok. Great. 
My top five was number five, Ant-Man. Number four, Iron Man, the first one. Uh, number three, Guardians of the Galaxy, volume one. Number two, Captain Marvel. And number one, Avengers Endgame. Nice. Now, before we move on to the next segment, before we move on from the MCU, just as a quick look to the future, because we've just come from 2020, which is the first year in like a decade with no new Marvel properties being released. Mm. And we all know yeah. why. Um, I just think it's interesting to look ahead <laughs> yeah. and think that soon we will all get to see the Black Widow movie, to which trailers have been out there for like over a year, I think, at this point, And I cannot wait. But also... Yep. The first Disney Plus TV series in the Marvel Universe are hitting soon, including, I believe by the time this episode is released, the first episode of WandaVision should be out. Are you aware of WandaVision, mm. Alex? Are you, are you excited about WandaVision? I didn't know the existence of it. So WandaVision is a Marvel series that's going to be on Disney Plus, starring Paul Bettany's Vision and uh, Elizabeth Olsen's oh. Scarlet Witch. No. Yes, and the trailers are bonkers. It, it's they've kind of based it on sitcoms from across all of American <gasps> TV history. So there's scenes of them in like a black and white fifties sitcom and a nineties sitcom okay. and stuff, and it's it's impossible to really know what's going on. And obviously, based on the events mm. of the of Infinity War and stuff, who knows how the, how Vision is there? But he is, and um, I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see what what it is. I think Elizabeth Olsen, Scarlet Witch, is a great character as well. I'm I'm mm. interested. There's a lot of rumours about House of M and various other things that it might be leading up to and it might be kind of kicking off the next phase and what the focus is going to be after the Infinity Stones are done with. So that's really mm. cool. There's also going to be, at some point next year, um, the Captain America and Winter Falcon. Captain America? No, the Falcon. What, I think it's called the Winter Soldier and Falcon or something. TV show. It's basically, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Is What, what did you say? The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, starring um, Anthony Mackie's Falcon and Sebastian Stan's Winter Soldier. Um, Anthony Mackie now taking on the mantle of Captain America, off Steve Rogers. Um, I know. Uh, and but Are we not going to see him again? I don't think so. Like, <laughs> literally, that film broke me last uh, time. I know. I know. Um, <laughs> but Did you watch at the cinema? <clears throat> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, was, I wish I watched that in the cinema. Crazy. I would have bawled. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. It was pretty wild. Um, uh, you know, and everyone applauded at the end and stuff. It was pretty intense. Um, and also, we've got the Eternals movie coming out. But what I'm really excited about, because I've just put some news about this out, is there's also going to be on Disney Plus a Hawkeye TV series. Yes. Now... Oh. Yeah, well, I'm looking through Wikipedia now, and yep. there is One Division, yep. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, yep. Loki, yep. What If, Miss Marvel, yep. Hawkeye, yep. Moon Knight, yep. She Hulk, yep. all on Disney Plus. Yes, all of those. But let's. Wow. I want to talk about Hawkeye for a moment. Hawkeye. Okay. I don't. I don't like Hawkeye. I don't like Jeremy Renner as a person or as the character of Clint Barton. But Alex. The Hawkeye TV show is going to star Hailey Steinfeld as a new Hawkeye and feature Florence Pugh. No. Yes. No. Hopefully signalling her taking on the mantle of Black Widow from Scarlett Johansson. And if anyone is fit to take over Black Widow from Scarlett Johansson, it is Florence Pugh, one of our favourite actors. And I cannot wait to see that 
show. Oh my God. Look at that. Very but, exciting times. Yes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the She-Hulk show should be good as well. And um, my personal favourite Marvel character has yet to appear in the MCU, and that is Miss Marvel, and she is getting a show on Disney+, and I'm like insanely excited about that, because Miss Marvel is basically an Avengers fan fangirl who becomes a superhero, and that's such a cool... Like, the comic books, that's the, the Miss Marvel yeah. comics are great. She's also, like, the first um, Muslim superhero. She's great. She's cool and wonderful, and I love her, and uh, I can't wait for Miss Marvel. So there we go. That's our MCU talk. Um, homework is going to be slightly different this week because we can't really set each other homework based on our top fives. Although you, you haven't seen Spider-Man Far From Home, but we're... Uh... Could we could we do uh, honourable mentions first? Oh, yeah, sorry, honourable mentions. I have three honourable mentions, and yeah. they are Ant-Man, who which we've talked about, yeah. Avengers Endgame, which we've talked about. Um, it's just not on my list because I... Similar to Buffy, like if I ever talk about my favourite Buffy episodes, the season finales are never my favourite things in TV shows. I always prefer like the one-off episodes to the season finales. I prefer the things that sort of stand alone a bit and aren't um, connected to, you know, aren't summing up a broader plot, if you see what I mean. And Avengers Endgame is kind of the season finale of season one of the MCU, if you see what I mean. So for me, I just it doesn't go on my list just because of that, but I do think it's a fitting finale, and I I, I love it, and uh and Black Panther, which was going to be on my list, but I just in the end, um Doctor Strange took it, but I adore Black Panther, and we've you know we've talked at length about Chadwick Boseman, how amazing he is, and how difficult it will be to um to kind of continue that series, uh, but I think they are going to try. So yeah, what about you? Got three, um, two of them you know, which are um. Captain America, Winter Soldier. Cool, cool. And, um, well, you all know three. Thor, Ragnarok, and um, Black Panther. Cool. Solid, yeah. honourable mentions, all of them. Um, yeah. So, yeah, some amazing movies there that we, that we love. Uh, and if yeah. you've listened to this episode and you're not a fan of the MCU, thank you for doing that. And hopefully you yes. might have found some starting points, particularly, I'd say, Captain America Winter Soldier. I really do feel like that's a movie that stands alone as just mm. a good, enjoyable action film. Um, and Guardians of the Galaxy from your list, Alex, again, you don't need to know much yeah. about the MCU to get into that. And if you're no. a fan of Star Wars or sci-fi in any way, then yeah. uh, you know, you'll know you find something to enjoy. Definitely. There. So, yeah. Okay, should we get into homework? Yes, please. Cool, cool, what cool shall I absorb this week for you, Mr. Ajit? So it's it's slightly different this week because <laughs> we've both kind of seen all of the MCU films. Um, yeah. Hopefully you catch up on the Spider-Man movies at some point, but that's not your homework. Your homework this week is I would like... So we're doing free... For the first time ever, we're doing three, free homework where each of us just get a choice to assign the other one something that we want them to watch. And I would mm. like you to watch the 2019 Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe starring film The Lighthouse. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. At the moment in Italy, it's very dark and um, the foggy. The lighthouse isn't really a horror film, so please don't. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. Fantastic. I would like you to watch uh, the film with Nicolas Cage and oh. Cher called Eastbrook. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. I'm, that's fair. I've I, I've said I would watch that a long time ago, and I didn't. So that's fine. 
Yeah. Moonstruck. That's the first thing that came to my mind. I was going to be like cruel and say, you know, watch both series of uh, Fleabag or, you know, <laughs> finish watching uh, Hilda. But. That, mm. <laughs> anyway. Um, so now we'll go into uh, recommendations. So from our culture capture up this week, uh, I would like to recommend if there's one thing you watch... I think that you should check out, and this isn't you, Alex. This means the, the audience, people out there listening. Yeah, yeah. Um, Folklore, the Long Pond Studio Sessions, the Taylor Swift film on Disney Plus, is an absolute delight, and you should check it out. What about you? Cool. Uh, a, a recommendation for this week would be The Anxiety uh, by Willow Smith and Tyler Cole. Cool. Okay. Nice. 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 Um, yeah. All right. Thank you so much for being with us. As always, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, you've been uh, yeah. you've been wonderful listeners. Keep going. Um, yes, please. Yes, and uh, and join send us, us. Send us top fives of anything. Yes, yes. Send us in top. We're going to read. We can read them out. Happily read them out. Um, next week we will be counting down our top five musicals. Yes. Yeah, top five musicals um, can be, I guess, any musical, film, stage, anything, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, well, but if it's a musical, film? it's in play. Yeah, a musical. Broadway, uh, London, film? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, it's yeah. It's going to be the, the next time we talk about Hamilton, isn't it, George? I don't know. We'll have to find out. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, yeah, I'm excited. I love a good musical, so it'll be interesting yeah, to see too. what we each put on our yeah. lists. Uh, Definitely. Yeah. Cool. So, cool. thanks. See you then. Love you so much. Bye! Bye.